We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. All right, welcome in to the MPW Digital Post Game Show. I am Chase Parm here, your tour guide for the uh, next couple hours or so. Ole Miss 52, Vanderbilt 28. Rebels uh, overtaking the Commodores in the second half, a, a third quarter that I just called a bludgeoning for Ole Miss. They outscore Ole, they outscore Vanderbilt twenty-one to nothing in the uh, in the quarter. They outgained them, I think, two seventy two seventeen to thirty-one, two seventeen to thirty-eight, something like that. So we'll uh, we'll talk about it. We'll call Jeffrey. We'll call Neil. We'll call Brian. We'll take your calls as well. A lot coming up on the show today, and what. Uh, Go ahead and admit it. Let me know, guys. How uh, how nervous were you? Were you actually concerned there? Ole Miss uh, down twenty to ten at one point prior to uh, outscoring the Commodores forty-two to eight the rest of the way. Lane Kippen absolutely knowing uh, the betting line. Matt Jones gets him a touchdown. Lane covering there in the final minute to put the Rebels over the number, a line that closed anywhere between seventeen and nineteen, I think, something like that, depending on the. Uh, the book of your choice. So interesting, uh, interesting day. If you are a uh, if you're a dead Soxy fan, and you should be, Neil loves the uh, no shows. I like the the uh, the longer dress socks. Lane helps you out as well as as well. Lane is an absolutely a uh, a dead Soxy fan that pushes their discount up to fifty two percent. So you can take advantage of that fifty two percent now with old with uh, with dead Soxy after the score today. So. Uh, a lot going on. We've got uh, Kentucky and South Carolina on TV tonight. Alabama, Texas A&M, as uh, as well. And then uh, an interesting day in college football. Uh, I think some stuff to talk about for sure. Will Levis out for the Wildcats tonight. He did not even uh, did not even warm up. Didn't participate at all. He's in a boot and sweats. So a uh, a redshirt freshman starting for Kentucky today his uh his first start since high school in 2020 for the Wildcats tonight against South Carolina so yeah I mean Ole Miss definitely did an injury report don't have that obviously here we'll see what Lane has to say in the press conference if he gives anything away at all saw Michael Trigg come down on his shoulder saw Cedric Johnson uh get banged up there at the end I don't know if that was a cramp or what was involved there I was kind of getting stuff ready for the show 
But uh, yeah, Ole Miss little little banged up there toward the end. But I, I thought a lot of maturity. I thought a lot of composure would have been really easy to let that thing. I don't know if spiral is the right, right word, but Vanderbilt was dominating the line of scrimmage, dominating the game from, from a standpoint of simply um, the lines of scrimmage, tempo, all those different things there. The huge throw to Mingo late in the first half. They, yeah, Troy was hurt as well. Sorry, forgot that. Uh, yeah, Trigg bothered me, and I know my jumping all over the place. Trigg bothered me because the way he was kind of holding it, you could see that it was slumped down. It was not symmetrical when he was walking off, just the way he was, it was hanging. I did not... I didn't like the body language there on, on Trigg. I mean, we'll see. I'm far from a doctor in any in any capacity, but that was sort of what I what, what I saw. Um, but no, Ole Miss, they get the big throw late, score, cut it to three at the half, and then sort of take over. There was some interesting stuff there and in some positive ways for Ole Miss. Jackson Dart, he ends up with 400 and I think 48 yards, something like that. That ties uh, the fifth all-time mark for a game. In Ole Miss uh, school history, he um, has three long touchdowns, a lot that were more run than catch, but he hits Jordan Watkins for a 61-yard touchdown. Mingo has a 71-yarder and a 72-yarder. Mingo now the all-time school record holder for receiving yards in a game. Elijah Moore had the record before that at 238 yards against Vanderbilt in 2020. Mingo today, uh, far fewer catches. I think just nine is what he ended up with, two, four, and he went for 247. So Mingo has that record as well. Yeah, when Ole Miss was down 20 to 10, you were not expecting, hey, here's a bunch of passing records that are about to fall. But instead, Ole Miss covers the number, and they win pretty uh, pretty handily there. So that's sort of set up where it's uh, where, where we're at. We'll get Jeffrey on the line in a second. I haven't even checked with him, but I'll see him on his call and see if he answers. Uh, Kentucky and South Carolina just kicking. Kentucky going chrome helmet. Blue on blue. I mean, a, a rough look for the Wildcats tonight, but it is what it is. We'll see what they do with their uh, with their redshirt freshman starting quarterback. Who are you guys for? Are you for Kentucky or Carolina? Texas just hammers Oklahoma today. Brett Venables took 45 minutes or longer to get into the press conference today. Really strange. Uh, Missouri covered the number in, in, in Gainesville. In Nils' picks, I was having one hell of a day. I think the only game I've lost – is Ole Miss. I had Vanderbilt covering, and I think that is the only the only game that I have I have lost to this point. So um yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty good day for Neil's picks after last week. It's been a uh yeah, you should be for Kentucky. I mean you you want a team you beat to have a to have a good season. You don't play South Carolina. It gives you a better quality of win. It is kind of hard to hate stoops. I I, I don't Scott, appreciate the super chat. He says, uh, um, sharing some of the proceeds from the backdoor cover. Always appreciate it. Thank you for that. Yeah, Carolina's going white on white and then their their garnet helmet. But I can't see much else with uh, with that. All right, hold on. Let me try to get Jack around the line real quick. Dub Jr., thanks for the uh, the super chat as well. Just kind of hanging out. Um, ended up being a pretty good day. I, I was getting some text. They're in the second half going, hey, thoughts and prayers. This thing could turn sideways on a post-game show tonight. We, we, haven't, we haven't done a loss yet. Uh, Tulsa has been the most grumpy you guys have been. And I thought, oh, if this thing goes sideways at all or even it's kind of close late, this could, this could be rough. But not the case. Everything worked out pretty well for the, uh, the Rebels, other than maybe injuries. I mean, I do think that's something to watch. No targeting calls today. And then Auburn in seven days, an Auburn team that was pretty listless against uh, – 
against Georgia today. So we'll see if Jeffrey gets on the line. Sorry. Okay. That should be good. Did you think it was ever in doubt, even at 20 to 10? No. Uh, my wife left the house. Um, my wife left the house. She says she got us groceries. No, she was just leaving the house because she couldn't watch. I I was upset because when I went to live bet it, I was hoping that – I was hoping Ole Miss was an underdog, and they weren't. So, I couldn't get plus money. But, no, I, I never – I bet them three times tonight. What was the worst the odds ever got? Minus 115. Oh, wow. Uh, really? So, basically, okay. the, the lowest they got, they were still a – even when they were down 10, they were still a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And that makes sense. And then once they went – once they cut it to 20 to 17, I mean, it was just a matter of time at that point. That was that. I mean, Vandy had to no, I mean, stop there and then score to open the third to make that a real game. I, I thought Vanderbilt did everything they could to keep the game close. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, you know, they they had a very ball control conservative game plan. Um, but, you know, like, if you're going to win that game if you're Vanderbilt, like, you can't – you have to punch in your two drives in the, your two drives in the first half where you have to punch those in. And they didn't. Um so, you know, they, they played they played the style of game that you play to cover a number, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I never, I never felt threatened like they were actually going to win the game. Lane Kiffin, we'll, we'll go backwards to forwards and I'm kind of all over the place because they, they won the game. There's no sense in going crazy into minutiae, even though I do have a couple questions. Lane clearly knew the number. He, uh, he rushes in. He gets the extra playoff when he could have just uh, knelt. And then if he really, if that was true what he told the sideline reporter and he went and found Clark Lee to say, hey, we had to snap it again. I mean, you have to give him a lot of credit for uh, at least believing some conviction on what he needed to pass along right there, right? Because yeah, that was... But uh, <laughs> Yeah, but like no offense, like Clark Lee went for two. Well, that's true. Okay, hey, okay, well, I, I kind yeah, of forgot I mean, that. Like, All right, Clark Lee, Clark Lee went for two, and before every analytics nerd out there goes, well, that's what you're supposed to do when you're down multiple scores. There was four minutes left. The game was over. You and don't like still three it, scores. You, yeah, three, still three scores. Correct. Correct. So he went for two. Like it's over. Is that like? You lose the right at that point when you go for two and you try the onside kick, you lose the right to complain. Does Lane score there if Clark Lee doesn't go for two? Absolutely not. You think he scored because Clark went for two? Correct. Okay. And tried the onside kick. I think if they kick it deep, they don't try to score either. I mean, there is a little bit, hey, by God, if you're going to play to the whistle, I'm going to do it too. Jerk. Okay. Yes. I mean, 100%. I'm not going to run Judkins and do something stupid, but hey, here, take the ball, Matt. He scored with Kincaid, Dent, and Woolard. Matt Jones. Sorry. Apologies. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh... Like I'm, what 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 do I what am I missing here? Like it, like to me, 
if you're going to be the underdog, if you want the game to be over, make the game be over. Ole Miss was fine having the game be over. Instead, you kept playing because you're trying to build a program. Well, that's mm. fine. Guess what? I get the score on you, too. Yeah. What do we – because they, they won the game going away, so it's not like it's some kind of how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln, but what, what do we think of Dart today? I mean, it was really, really good except for those two boneheaded plays. Those two boneheaded plays were really, really, really boneheaded. So, I mean, it's literally, it's kind of just more of the same, right? Yeah, I did think the offense was starting to get a little rhythm and momentum. I'm not even talking about, like, oh, in throughout the course of the game. Didn't you feel like at times it started to look like we're used to it seeing it look? Because the ball was – it wasn't that the ball was going down the field, but he was hitting the crossing routes. He was, he was running the offense in the passing game the way we are used to seeing it. Because – Frankly, for five games, he'd been kind of a check-down machine. It had been little curls and hooks out on the edges and not really the things we had seen from the slot and the things across the middle of the field. When, when Ole Miss is appealing to my eye and the when they look aesthetically is when they're able to run to the edges and then throw across the middle. And I thought that's what we saw as that second half was playing out. Well, I think it's also important to note this was the first game that I felt like – I felt like – Vanderbilt's defense, and maybe it's the first game that was able to do it, but Vanderbilt's defense loaded the box. Vanderbilt's defense loaded the box, and they were willing to play one-on-one. And we saw this week, those receive. I-, I thought everyone was being a little hard on the receivers, and I feel like I was a little vindicated today. Like, when those guys get one-on-one, they're pretty good. The difference is they just haven't had one-on-one for the last five weeks. And Mingo has always been good with his physicality, good with body control, all those sorts of things. He He's healthy for, frankly, completely healthy for maybe the first time in his career, at least since he was a freshman. I mean, he does give you – I get it's not this burner thing, but he does give you some interesting threats out there on the outside when they don't bracket him. I mean, is he going to win a foot race with the fastest guy on the planet? No, but, like, he had plenty of breakaway speed of me today. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give I'll give Vandy credit. I think they look way more athletic than they have. They had some guys. They had some guys that I thought like, oh, that they have a little bit of team speed there. Well, there's a real plan. I mean, maybe yeah. it's maybe, no, maybe, maybe, maybe it's talent and speed. Maybe it's a little more of everything, and that's why you notice it. But I mean, as you said, they they sort of did everything they could do today. The Swan Kid's not bad. I like Shepard a lot. Davis kid's pretty good. I, I mean, they're, they, they're, they're fine. I thought they had a very good game plan. Like, on third downs, you could tell. On third downs, they had – they knew where – like, where the spots were in coverage. Like, the, you know what I mean? Like, they – I just – I felt like they had a good plan. It's just they went up against a team that was better. Sleepiness to be expected, letdown game. What'd you make of the first, I guess, fifteen to twenty-five minutes of this game? Uh, road game. Uh, honestly, probably the best. Right, it's the best road environment they've probably played in, and it's because and they had half of it. I thought that was a better environment than Georgia Tech was. Ooh. That is going to be an and interesting they thing. Is they're not going to see a real road game until Baton Rouge in two weeks. Correct. 
Um, and so on top of that, uh, you know, they, they come out their first drive and they're moving the ball pretty well. I can't remember, did they get a negative play or a penalty late in the drive? Because that was when Aaliyah was yelling and I was having to change the channel to another TV because she didn't want the sound on. Was it a There was like a penalty. There was either a penalty or a negative play that kind of backed him up on third and long, and you just knew they were going to take a field goal. Then um, I thought Vanderbilt had a really good drive, like a good game script. And Vanderbilt did a pretty good job playing keep away. And didn't it feel like when Ole Miss got the ball back, like that they were trying to score like on one play? It was it was that, and yeah, because it was almost one of those deals where it can bite you. They had let penalties kill their previous drives. They had kind of bogged yeah. down of their own suicide where it was like, okay, just get it all down back right now. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm impatient. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. They were mad at themselves. Yeah, and it felt, it felt a lot like that to me. Um, and then um, – I think in the first half, defensively, they did not adjust very well to the – every time uh, Vanderbilt would, you know, shift and move – like, you know, move the – like it was like moving a couple tight ends over. I felt like they got outflanked pretty badly every mm-hmm. time in that situation. Um, I didn't think they adjusted very well to that until halftime. Uh, and I – thought for the most part Vandy ran the ball pretty well without you know like in terms of you're just trying to control the ball I thought Vandy ran the ball pretty well um and then in the second half you know I don't know whether or not it was Lane griping and whatnot but like they didn't call a lot of holding in the first half but they did call a lot of holding in the second half and all of a sudden those drives that were kind of staying alive and getting converted those drives were stalling out and then you know once Ole Miss got the ball, I didn't feel like – I felt like the, Ole Miss, the only way Ole Miss wasn't scoring when they got the ball in the second half was if they, if they committed a turnover or they, they had stupid penalties. And the run game wasn't very good in the first half at all. I think it was only 45 yards, but it sort of needed – it needed well, they the pass sacked, game a little bit. Yeah, I think say Vanderbilt was stopping the run and allowing other things. Ole Miss just had to hit it. Correct. Like Vanderbilt was basically saying, we're not letting you beat us with the inside run game. Mm-hmm. And that was why that was to my point. Like, that's why I thought the receivers looked better today. Like they had more room to run. I, we're guessing here, anything to do with injuries that you noticed that you think could be more severe. I mean, was, was there some of them thought, Hey, cramp. And some of you thought, Oh, that didn't look good. I don't rem- I don't remember anyone getting banged up really. I mean, Trent with idiot? the shoulder, like, I- I'd like to see what happened because he was oh, yeah, hanging no, that no, right Trig- shoulder. No, Trig. I think Trig got the old Trig either got the old separated shoulder or the stinger. That's the only one I can think of. By the way, that was a hell of a freaking catch. Holy hell, that was an awesome catch. The ability like, to go get the Jackson, football is exactly what everybody yeah. knows he can do. Because my God, yes, correct. He literally like snagged it out of the air. Like it was, that was, that was impressive. Yeah, Troy got banged up, but I mean, I will, I could easily be wrong. That looked stinger to me. I thought he just kind of got a little bit that, of a weird shot. 
Yeah, looked I mean, fine. the other thing is all of the injuries, I think, would have mostly been on defense. They were. Because they were – holy hell, let's see. Well, 41-17 to 1843. <laughs> 41. Uh, that's the other thing. 41 minutes of football. I mean, I am kind of curious at snap counts tomorrow. They've got to rotate more if they're going to do 40 minutes on defense every week. Well, I think I think that was a – I think this was more of an outlier than anything. I think – I think you got to give Vanderbilt credit. I thought they were very efficient. Like, they're not good on offense, but I thought they were efficient on offense. They have a, they have three or four players that are pretty good. Their their scheme is good, and they're good enough on like they're good enough at the O line position to move the football on you. They are. I mean, they're they're, they're fine. But Vanderbilt, I know Alabama steamrolled them, but they're fine. They're not good, but they're yeah. Confident. But let's also be let's also be clear. Alabama steamrolled them at home. Like yeah. I, I feel like we still have COVID brain. Where everyone's like, the road doesn't matter. Like, yeah. what the hell, people? The road is freaking hard to win on. Like, like I, I don't understand this. Like, I feel like we literally had one year where the road didn't matter, and everybody just decided that was the new norm. That's a good point. We do kind of just do verse instead of at these days. Who do they have? Correct. Oh, they've got this, this team, this team, this team, this team, this team. Yeah, no, no, no huge consideration Correct. on where the hell the games are. Yeah, and you know, it's it's a sleepy environment. It's tough to get up, but I mean, like you know, I I I, I just feel like everyone is everyone has yeah. It's it's no one pays any attention to game script or whatnot. It's just like who did you play and whatever whatever you have in your mind of that team, like. I mean, I still – have you officially apologized – you and Neil, have y'all apologized for your Mississippi State take being bad yet? I was going to go there next. I was literally the next thing out of my mouth going to mention that you have to feel some some joy in your in your decision and your pick that Mississippi State is a pretty good football team. And it, by the way, like this isn't even like a poking – it was just so bizarre to me that y'all acted like – Well, I thought you saw one sucked. game. And it was like – uh, look, it was okay. 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 Just no. a minute. That was you wanting. No, it was you wanting them to not be good. Well, I don't want them to be good, but it's correct. But that's what it was. But it's that's it's this too. It's all no, no, no. Stop, stop. It's also history because Mike Leach's teams typically struggle against better defenses that are quick, so that their, their ceiling is never overly high. So I'm playing into that a little bit. I mean, today was the first time under it, it, as a state coach. He had a 100-yard rusher in a game. I thought that LSU controlled that game in the second half defensively, and I thought LSU was incredibly mediocre. And in my head, it's a calculated decision on if LSU did that to them in the second half defensively, then other teams are going to do it too, and they're going to lose some games. Again, it was and again, Baton Rouge. And, it, and again, I, it was, it was I, a night game in Baton Rouge, I and they had, like 11, they had like 11 drops. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, I just, I watched that game, and again, I was, no big deal, I was in a uh, winery in Napa at a wedding, 
watching that game on my phone. And I just, I don't know. Like, I felt like it was like, I didn't feel like state like 100% dominated or controlled the game, but it's like, I, that, that to me, like this is, this team looks like a year three Mike Leach team. He's got a, he's got a quarterback that knows what he's doing. Um, they're very solid on defense. And then the other thing, man, whoo, uh, when does Ole Miss get Arkansas? Uh, late. It's like the next. It's the next. Uh, next to last a, week of the year. You want them now, right now. That's that's a shame. You want them absolutely right now because they got nothing. Man. Now they're like, getting it, killed is, mentally and emotionally is, too. Like they're they're going into the tank. They might not completely fall apart. They might be good when Ole Miss goes to Fayetteville or fine. But I mean, right now they are one just discombobulated football team. Well, and it shows just how much the quarterback matters to them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, their their offense is, you know, the show. You know, it was like kind of like you know when when Ole Miss, excuse me when Ole Miss lost Corral last year. Like, it, it didn't look good. What kind of shot? Are, we'll do this on Thursday. But what kind of shot do you give in Tennessee against Alabama next week? Well, what do we think? I mean, we, we, we think, at this moment they haven't kicked. We don't know what Bryce or Milrow or any of that's going to work. Well, out. I have no idea. I'm I'm under the assumption Milrow's playing tonight. Okay. So my question is: Is Milrow playing tonight because Saban thinks he can win the game with Milrow, or is Milrow tonight because I saw Bryce Young chunk his helmet after he hurt his shoulder, and maybe it's more than just a just a day to day sprain? Like to me, that's the question, right? Because if Milrow plays, Tennessee's, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be favored, but they've got a really good shot to win that football game. Well, it's a game at home, and more importantly, I I think Tennessee's vertical passing game is legit, don't you? No, it is. It's real. And Hooker's been really efficient. So, He's been really careful with the football. He runs that offense well. I mean, Virginia Tech – that guy bounced out of Virginia Tech. No, it's what – so Giannato was over at my house watching games today, and Mark covered Bot Tech before he moved here. And it's like, in the end, the decision that probably got Fuente fired was picking Braxton Burmeister. And then more importantly, like, when the heat started getting turned up on him, Virginia Tech fans were watching Hendon Hooker light up the SEC, and they're like – Wait a minute. This mm. guy couldn't play for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he really is true. He's a Heisman if, candidate if you right make, now. It's only week five or whatever, but he, still. He's, to me, this is, he is in the exact same position that Matt was in last year at this time. Yeah. Because none of the, none of the, none of the favorites right now have a clear cut. I guess C.J. Stroud is the closest thing, right? Yeah, sure. No, he's he's been good. They're winning. Yeah, but like, I think I think the other problem with a guy like C.J. Stroud is I think we all kind of know like, oh, he's good, but when you sit and you watch Ohio State games and you're like, God damn, he's got all day to throw. He's got all day to throw. Uh, it, those guys are wide open. Like, I don't know. It's tough. 
to be wowed by him, right? But even though, like, he, I don't want, like, I don't want this to come across like, oh, I don't think he's doing anything. But it's like, I don't think he's having wow moments. But I still think like he's doing a good job. And so, the question then becomes like, do you have to have the wow moments to win the Heisman? And I think if you're the quarterback at Ohio State, probably not. You probably just have to beat Michigan, right? I think for C.J. Stroud to win the Heisman, they have to go undefeated and win the Big Ten. Undefeated. The good thing, though, that's working for him, though, they have very good receivers, but they don't have the one dominant receiver right now because I think think Smith and Jigba, I think my boys pull a low-key Jamar Chase. I think he's pulling a Jamar Chase while staying on the team. Just calling it. That's it. The next level's minimal to play the big ones. Yeah. I think he's gonna play the big games. I, I think he's gonna play the really big game. <laughs> Which by the way, I kinda respect the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Illinois is not gonna get his attention. Um no, he's, hey, I'll see uh, uh, I'll see I'll see you in the Michigan game in the playoff. What's Ole Miss gonna see from Auburn next week? So, how much of that game did you get to watch? I followed the first half, so I missed Georgia extending and kind of running away with it. Okay, so Auburn is not a bad defensive team. No. They are a horrific offensive team. Now, the question is, so Tom Byer and I were talking about this on Friday, and I'm curious to know because Neil would probably have a better sense. Is it possible that the Auburn boosters, they've been, they've been bad-mouthed and poor-mouthed so much for acting irrationally and stupid that they're finally letting this play out? And, like, I always thought the dumbest thing that Auburn boosters would do is, hey, man, if you just let it play out, the guy's going to hang himself. Yes. And the thing is, like, the more and more – you kind of ended – by being so irrational with Arson last year, you kind of made some people be like, man, that's not, that's not the way to treat him. Like, he's our football coach. Like, don't treat him like that. But now that, like, Harson, now that they're kind of, like, staying in the background and they're not – they're letting him just kind of lose games, Harson ends up not having any defenders. And so, I think there's a decent chance, like, Harson's the coach next week and – if that's the case, Ole Miss has to get what? Probably, I think if Ole Miss gets into the 20s, they probably win. Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt is better offensively than Auburn. It's one of those deals where it's completely, just completely, completely without, without turnovers really affecting field position, it's hard to see Auburn get to that 28 point mark. It feels right, right. Like, it feels 17 ish. Yeah offensively, like, I don't know, like, could they have some defensive score special teams? Sure, but it's like, if it's a normal football game, I don't see that offense getting into the 20s. So if Ole Miss gets into the 20s, I think they win. Well, there's no reason, frankly, to fire Harson until the end of the year, or at least what gets you ahead of any kind of coaching search situation. Although, if Everyone around that program is to be believed. And again, I mean, those, that, that shit show goes a thousand directions all the time, so who knows if it is or not. But, I mean, it feels like they have really identified Hartwell as a primary leading candidate right now. 
And if that's the case, Hartwell kind of knows where he's headed. I mean, I, you're not even necessarily competing against anybody in the pool that they're talking about because, look, you go through Auburn's history. They haven't made these splashy coach hires. They've hired group no, they, five they, guys they, and assistants. They've never gone and taken the dude from somebody. That's not their thing. No, they're in, they're incestuous. Yeah. No, they want they want the Auburn family. Like they, like you know, they want. And the reality is, they want that because you know, like that's their like that's their buddies. Texas boosters getting out of their way much faster than Auburn's getting out of theirs, right? Are you thinking or are you gone? Can you hear me? Yeah, you came back now. Yeah, you you died for like five seconds. Sorry. Uh, no, I, I I think I think if you if you look at it with Texas right now, like Sarkeesian's organizing them vertically pretty quickly. To the point that they're going to be ready. When, is Auburn, when, when has Auburn ever been organized vertically? They've stumbled into situations, but no, they've never been they've never been organized all the way through. Yes, and I understand the chat. Y'all are yelling at us about Tommy Tuberville, but I'm going to go that was a different era, and that was more on Ole Miss. Than but I, but Tommy, Tommy, I disagree on that. Tommy did not have them organized vertically. Tommy just – Tommy had the room – Tommy, it was very similar to Mac, where the comparisons would be is Mac at Texas and Tommy at Texas were the same thing. Mac and Tommy were the the governor or the the politician that was in the room and everybody was on board, but it was not organized vertically like it is at Alabama. Like it is, like right now, Sark, now the the thing with Sark that he's going to have to deal with is it's organized vertically for him right now, but they'll probably turn on him really quickly. Like, I disagree that Tommy ever had it vertically. Like, Tommy just had everyone kind of in the room. Like, everyone was kind of moving in the same direction. But it was not top-down. That certainly was not a saving situation where yeah, what yeah. Tommy said went. You know what yeah, I mean? And, yeah, and I was more speaking that they took somebody's coach because it was old Mrs. Like, they haven't always hired the assistant or whatever. Mm. Um, Sorry, I thought you were saying vertically. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh so I guess the point on that and where I was going to kind of close the day's action a little bit is that if you're buying stock, you're buying it in Texas over Oklahoma as far as an SEC team? 1,000%. Yeah. I mean, here's the reality. Is this Venables or is this Oklahoma as a program? I think it's – I think it's a little – I think it's a – I think it's a little column A, a little column B, a little column C. It's a little bit of everything. I think, number one, let's be real. You hired an unproven head coach on, on the defensive side of the ball. All right? Then, not only did you lose your offensive mastermind, if you will, I'm not, I don't have the Lincoln Riley gene like a lot of other people do. Like, I think he's a good coach, but I don't think he's like some type of generational like wonderkin that we've never seen before. I think he's a good mm-hmm. coach, but that's about it. Um, but on top of that, how many guys did they lose? 
So now you've lost so much. You lost it late in the process and trying to build back up was going to take some time. And then you and I both think pretty highly of, of Levy, I think, but this idea that Dylan Gabriel was going to somehow Dylan Gabriel was going to be like the same type player that they've had at quarterback was absurd to me. Like I've watched yeah. Dylan at UCF and it's like, he throws a pretty good deep ball, but Dylan Gabriel was just a above average AAC quarterback. How was that guy going to be? That guy was going to be following up Heisman trophy winners. Well, and like, I mean, they, 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 and their backup's not even competent. Like they, it was, it was Gabriel or nothing. And when that's the case, your ceiling is fairly low. I mean, look, Oklahoma's not going to suck forever. Yeah, I don't necessarily mean that. But they did not put a roster together that could win right now and mixed with a coach who had been at Clemson forever in this cushy situation that is a complete 180 from what that cat's running into in Norman right now. I don't know if he's prepared for it or not, but, I mean, he's going to get overrun by that. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I mean, and you mentioned Gabriel from how long they're going to be in the program and their upsides. Ole Miss got the better quarterback. 1,000%. Listen, I thought when people told me that Ole Miss was going to get dart, I thought it was like, holy hell, like that's a, that's a coup. Because in, in reality, Jackson Dart would have been the USC court, uh, you would have been the USC quarterback if uh, John Bone doesn't pull off the Lincoln Riley heist. Oh, well, yeah, 100%. Yeah, he was staying there. Uh-huh. I mean, let's be clear. Jackson made two really bad decisions today. Jackson's still good. Jackson, Jackson, as a, Jackson as a 19-year-old sophomore is still an above-average SEC quarterback. That's a decent place to kind of end on. Where, where would you put him right now in the hierarchy, league quarterbacks? Okay, so I'd rather have Bryce. I think right now you have to say you'd rather have Hendon Hooker, right? Yes, you do. Sure. They play in sim- they play in similar offenses, and and Hendon Hooker's got it running pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I mean, you're you're really really glassing if you put him in front of Hendon Hooker. I think the question becomes – I think you got to say, presuming health, you'd probably rather have KJ. Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, if KJ is healthy, because, dude, look how quickly it fell apart for Arkansas's offense. All of a sudden, they can't even run it. I want Dart's career more than I want Jefferson's career. I think Dart next year is a better quarterback than Jefferson at any point. I think that's a different that's a different question though. Yeah, yeah. You mean you just mean today to finish the season. Okay. Correct. Well no, what I'm saying is like where is he currently ranked in the SEC hierarchy of quarterbacks? I totally agree. If you're talking about who would I rather have as a would I rather have Jackson Dart's career or KJ's career? I definitely agree with you. But I'm talking about if you're having to rank it right now, because that's the question for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. Honestly, I think you got to put – right now you got to put Rodgers in front of him. Rodgers is playing pretty good football. He's playing really good football. I, I never know what to do with a leech quarterback outside of that system. 
but he's doing Correct. a really good but job. But that's the thing. Correct. You don't you that's a different thing to me. But like in terms of operating his offense, I think he's doing a really good job. Then I think we're talking about the Jackson Darts here. I mean, you and I, I don't know do we take any flack for it? Because I stand by it. I still thought Jackson outplayed Levis last week. Even though the numbers were not similar. I just know what I watched. I thought Jackson Dart did more things that impressed me than Levis did. Miller is playing, by the way. Oh, really? I just not flipped it over there. I had Carolina on. Did everybody everybody take Bama to cover? Uh, No, I I took I took the points. Did you? Okay. But I I told you I I think it was. Well, no, I got I took the points also with Georgia, and that backfired on me. Yeah, you felt pretty good there for a while. Nobody scored. Uh, well, no, no, I never felt good. I never felt good because I knew that game could snowball. You got a uh, an NFL pick for tomorrow? Just one? What is the money split? I, I really like the Jags tomorrow, but I feel like that's like a, a, a trap. You think everybody's on that? I think – let me see. All right. Bet in GM. Um, Jags. As I suspected, 60 62% of bets, 32% of money are on the Jaguars. That's that's a SpongeBob SquarePants pick. Um, I guess we got to go. Let's go back to the well, buddy, right? Teddy Bridgewater against the number? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Dude, he's awesome. He is awesome against the number. Okay. He's like the sixth most profitable quarterback of all time. It's like, literally, it's like a Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. It's like Brady, Peyton, Breeze, uh, Rodgers, Teddy Bridgewater. Like, it is unbelievable. Speaking of Bridgewater and tying it into the Saints, I don't know that I would go over a win total for the Saints if you gave me six right now. No, I was actually thinking that they're they're actually like one of the least fun teams to watch, right? Like, I, forget like your fandom. I'm just because you know they're good defensively, but when they get the ball, it just feels like it's hopeless. Now, I guess it's to be fair to them. Like, let's watch tomorrow because their offense is completely different with Kamara. But I mean, man, because. I think the thing that was depressing about last week was I thought Dalton played pretty well, didn't you? He played plenty good enough to win. But he's also playing without Michael Thomas, without Kamara. I mean, it's it, it, it was an impossibility yeah, I, I to start I, to even get it close. So maybe they don't suck as bad as I'm feeling like they suck. But you're right. They're so boring in the standpoint of their defense is good enough to sort of stop people and don't allow a lot of big plays and excitement. Yeah. And then their offense bogs down, but they're not so good on defense that we're doing like the, you know, oh, they're just this Correct. smash mouth defensive football team. They're kind of opportunistic and fast, completely different thing. They they're a habit creating defense, but they're yeah. not. They are still they're gettable. Like you can you can kind of like we saw Jefferson got them on some big plays. Like you can you can create big plays on them, but yeah, I mean, I'll say this though, like. 
my team's sitting here at three and one, and they're borderline unwatchable. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what does watchability really mean in the? Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss Auburn fourteen next week. Uh, let's see. All right, today. What did today close? Seventeen. Yeah, seventeen or seventeen and a half. I don't know which one. All right, I think Ole Miss might get bumped up a little bit. Auburn will get bumped down a little bit. The thing though is, Auburn lines have been three. Like, like the problem I think Auburn has is Auburn's power ratings make them more valuable. Like, you could tell me the number ends up being like like Ole Miss minus. 10, but then it gets bet up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Because, like, think about it. Remember, like, when Auburn was playing Missouri, we didn't know what to do with the line because we're like, how is Auburn favored by a touchdown against anyone? Like, their numbers, I feel like, have been wrong almost every week. It, it just it doesn't feel like that can be in the single digits. And I it's don't gonna move think there quickly, so. so. I guess the question is, where does it close? I think it'll close closer to two touchdowns than it will uh, single digit. No, I agree with that. I mean, and again, at the end of the day, Ole Miss covered today. They hit the line. It was a story. They told a hell of a story, but they it, told it a took a, a while. Uh, yeah. Completely last thing, and I'll let you go. Anything from tonight? I mean, Milrose does not throw the ball well. I mean, does A&M have a chance to make this a four-quarter game? I think so just because of Jimbo's going to play this game to keep it close rather than rather than try to win. I will say this, though. How much of Milrow did you get to watch last week? Uh, a decent amount, yeah. I turned it back on once like he kind of came is, in. He is not just, like, a good runner. He is an awesome runner. Like, that guy, that guy might be the fastest guy on the field. Still one-dimensional, but yes. Correct, but he's also not a – he's not a good thrower, but he is not, not a, like, horrific thrower. Mm-hmm. He's not like – he's not like when you watch him throw, you're like, this guy could – he's like um, – he's a lot like Jalen Hurts was his freshman year. Oh, okay. And better runner. But honestly. I think he's faster. Yeah, he's a better I think runner. he's faster. I don't know – I don't know if he maybe is his power. Like Jalen Hurts was a very powerful runner. I don't know if he's as powerful of a runner as he is, but I think he's a pure, better runner. Or better pure runner, I should say. Right. All right, bud. Appreciate it. Did, do it again did, Thursday. Way, did our yeah. boy go to did our boy go to Nashville? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Waiting on him now. Oh god. Up there. Gross. Taking it all yeah. in. Hey, had three yeah. content items ready when the game was over, just writing his full head off. Oh, by the way, the the rights are headed to Oxford next week. Really? Oh yeah. Gonna take one in. Gonna take one in. I'm gonna sit in section O for the first time since I think I did the math in my head. I think the last game I sat in section O was the uh, Mississippi State game 2012. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, well, it'll, it'll, it'll make for a good one. Sounds good, bud.
All right, see y'all next week. Yeah, yep. That was Jeffrey Wright joining us as he does after every game when he's in the southern United States, only when he was at a wedding that he missed. Appreciate his time. As always, we will talk to him on Thursday about him taking in the Rebels and the Tigers on Saturday morning, 11 o'clock start for that one. Still waiting on uh, on Neil. He has, again, he's got a lot of content up, but post-game at Vanderbilt can get a little weird. They do it kind of out on the field. They have an inside locker room area, and then a lot of times they kind of bring players and stuff out. So that thing gets uh, gets gets slow, depending on what is going on there. Uh, I turned it away when I turned South Carolina. They were beating Kentucky 7 to nothing. Kentucky had maybe missed a kick. And then A&M and Alabama currently scoreless in the game that I have on in front of me. I want to see – I wrote this in observations, which are on the site at rebelgrove.com. I want to see the snap count breakdowns tomorrow for offensive linemen. Look like there was some rotation. Look like they were doing some different stuff, guys at different positions. Kind of curious exactly what was going on there because it on TV it was just impossible to see it for sure. But I, I do want to see what, what was – that's kind of something to watch. Um, tomorrow for that. Has anybody tweeted about Lane's press conference? Anything as far as what's been said or not said or anything else? Do we know anything? And again, we'll get to Neil whenever he is available. Again, I'm waiting on him now, so I don't know time frame of what that looks like. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
What's up? Oh, not much. Really thankful that the uh, the game turned out how it did because I, I was kind of like Jeffrey. I was talking to him a second ago. I never thought that um, the game was in danger, but I was sitting here thinking, hey, this thing could turn clearly another direction from a postgame show if this is close in the fourth quarter. I was It, it, it kind of took 38 to 20 or whatever it was for me to go, Phew, okay, everybody's going to be in a pretty decent mood here at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. I kind of had the same train of thought. And you say, you know, the game was never in danger. And I, I tend to agree with that line of thinking. But when Vanderbilt went up 10 points, you know, you're a bad, another bad dart decision away from it actually getting in danger, right? I mean, if they have another turnover in their own territory and Vanderbilt gets set to 13 or 17, then you're probably talking about a whole different game. So I'm with you. I mean, Ole Miss started sluggish. I, you know, I saw that Lane Kiffin in his SEC network interview coming out for the third quarter said something to the effect of we screwed around in the first half. And I thought that was a pretty succinct way to describe things. Um, but yeah, I didn't necessarily think it was in doubt either. Vanderbilt's not terrible though. I just don't think they have much depth. That quarterback's okay. Again, as I've said like 10 times, they have more SEC caliber players. It seems like they just don't really have enough of them. And I think that probably showed in the second half. And it's still a question if they're ever going to have enough of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the James Franklin days are long gone. I think the school is probably pretty intent on that happening from the sounds of it. But, yeah, I mean, and then in the other piece of it, too, Ole Miss didn't play well in the first half, but I thought Vanderbilt played pretty well. I thought they were pretty sound offensively. They kind of beat Ole Miss up. And then as they started making mistakes in the second half, Ole Miss capitalized on them, and it turned into what it was. How's your picks done today, bud? It's, it has to be better, right? I know I had Ole Miss. I know I had Georgia. Those were two late sweet covers or whatever. So hey, it can't you, you and I got uh, you and I got Missouri too. Oh, we did late as well. Missouri was in that game. That one was a little more justified than the other two. So I have three wins. I don't know what my picks record is, but I think three wins is probably as much or more I had in the previous two weeks. So you know, don't let me get hot. You're you you said it in the thing. You've got to be in your head at this point. Like no matter what the game is, you've got to be changing your mind nine different times. Oh, absolutely. And like it's fun, right? It's like tongue in cheek. I enjoy it, and I try. Obviously, I take the pick seriously. But it's like anything else. I had I took over Zach Barry's record last year and had kind of a ridiculous run, and then this year is so bad. Like thirteen and thirty-seven or whatever I am is so difficult to do. You can't really help but just laugh and embrace it. I mean, it just kind of goes that way sometimes. Like if I picked them blindfolded and just knew the colors of each team and nothing else, I probably would have done better than my record. Don't you think? I mean, that's that's hard to accomplish. It's almost impossible from a human standpoint to pick. 14 and 37 or 17 and 37 or whatever it is, because I mean, it's a coin flip nature. I mean, you, you should be, you know, at least 35 to 40% just because, I mean, I, I think I'm really, because and I don't mean it could have been any of us. I mean, I've had years where I've really sucked too. It, I, I wish we, we, we should be doing something in picks like where we have a dog and we like just give them two different kinds of dog food and pick games every time and see how the dog does picking Alpo or, you know, whatever the hell something else is Purina. I'm glad we didn't start that this year because the dog would just be whipping. <laughs> like, was it was it Laura Rutledge that lets our kid pick every week? Yes, exactly. I mean, if we started the dog thing this year, I mean, I try not to get demoralized, but you know, losing to something that doesn't have opposable thumbs that would be that would be real. That just add insult to injury with this year. So, who knows if this is true or not? I mean, we're all just kind of speculating and commentating, and I haven't even heard Lane talk at the end of the press conference. 
I heard him say he mentioned Dart's two bad decisions, the two picks that were both horrendous. And just by osmosis and listening and talking to him, I think you've learned some about quarterback play from Ryan Buchanan doing your show every week. He'll be back this week at some point, I assume, as well. Um, thought you had an interesting take. that, that it, it, It's speculation, but we know everybody does get banged around a little bit, that that may not have been as met in the eye and for that second interception today. Yeah, so I texted you this a little bit after it happened. And again, as you just outlined, it's just complete speculation. I was just kind of tossing a theory out there. The second interception, so the first one, I mean, look, you can't defend. It's like Dart can't help himself. He's like your buddy who, like, oh, that kid's really gotten his, you know, you know what together. He's, you know, on the up and up, has a nice job. And it's like, as long as he doesn't drink X when we go out, he's fine. And then you see him at the bar getting a shot or whatever, and you wake up with, you know, a hole in your drywall or something. It's like, damn it, he did it again. That's what I kind of feel like with one of those one or two bad decisions he has a game. The second one, though, getting back to the theory, Buchanan has talked to me a couple times about, and I don't know this again for a fact. It's just, just throwing something out there, a thought, because that play looks so weird. It almost looked like he, like, hooked or shanked his own throw. Like, it looked like a pull hook drive into the woods where he held on to the club too long or held on to the football too long. I don't even know if it was a terrible read. I'd have to go see the play again. But he got his bell rung really badly two plays before when he kept the football. And Buchanan has mentioned a couple of times, like, hey, people don't notice this, but a lot of times when you really get hit and you kind of get your, I hate using this term, but brain scrambled a bit and you're a little bit woozy, that can, like, affect you for two or three plays. And he got really, really hit hard and seemed to hit his head on the grass really hard about two plays before that. And I just wonder if that's what that was because the throw looked so unnatural in the way he delivered it and so far off. I I was honestly probably just grasping at straws as to what that could possibly be. So it's, again, I have no idea what it is. The first one's indefensible. I just wonder if that factored into the second one because he got smoked when he carried the football two or three plays prior. I get that this game could have been close for longer. I mean, Ole Miss could have not scored at the end of the first half. and Vanderbilt got the ball to start the second half. But I, I wrote this right after, even during the, in the end of the game, and I think I believe it even more strongly as we're talking, as I talked to Jeffrey, is that I took more positives out of today than anything else from Ole Miss because you knew that it was going to be very hard to get up emotionally for Vanderbilt. Your crowd was going to be 50% of the attendance, even on homecoming for the Commodores. It was a sleepy road environment, as Jeffrey talked about. Vanderbilt's not good. They've lost now 23 SEC games in a row, I think. Something like that might already be a record or the record's close or whatever it is. It's all those different things. You get behind, and they really they asserted their will and outscore them 42-8. to eight. They didn't panic. They go down, they get the score before half. They hit the long play. They come out of the break and just kind of dominate. And defensively, they make some adjustments at halftime. They they swarm the football. They move to a four-man front defensively that made a ton of difference from a rush defense standpoint. You know, injuries are injuries, and we'll see what happens with that. But if they're not injured, I think today was a really high grade because you look around college football, and it's everywhere. Everybody's struggling in games that they shouldn't be. Everybody's having these letdown weeks. I mean, Football has college football has never been as much a factor of coach culture and stability of emotions to just show up the same way every week and win games when so many teams are laying eggs. They were getting dominated physically because of some lethargy and scheme and everything, and they just kind of turned it on. And you look up and they cover the line, they score fifty-two points, even with that thing at the end of the game. 
I mean, I'm kind of giving them like a B plus for the day overall. I tend to agree with that as well. I think the way you described it, stability of emotions is a great way to put it because to use a Hugh Freeze term, they didn't, they got down 10 and they didn't blink, right? They just kept going about their business, playing the next play off that coach speak, but you know, it would have been easy to get down 10 points. They haven't really been in that situation this year and kind of freaked out. Um, you know, as we described earlier, that could have quickly gotten to 13 or 17 if things didn't go the right way. And they just kept their head down and kept chugging along. I thought that drive to end the half, um, you know, capped off for us. It capped off kind of emphasized by the huge Mingo reception down by the goal line was a really big drive because that game, I think, feels probably differently if it's 20 to 13 or whatever it was at halftime as opposed to 20 to 17. And then, as you mentioned, they really just imposed their will in the second half. I think Vanderbilt ran 18 offensive plays in the third quarter and gained 31 yards, and that's with a five-yard gain on a meaningless run to end the quarter. So it was really, you know, what is that, 17 plays, 26 yards, and Vanderbilt finally made a mistake with the weird backwards throw and Ole Miss capitalized on it. So I'm with you. You know, they're finding different ways to win games. This game had an entirely different identity the last week. And they found a way to win and win going away. And I think that's probably what good teams do as we enter this college football landscape, as you mentioned, where you know teams struggle every week with teams they're not supposed to. And you get weird results or three and a half quarters that look, could look like a weird result. Um, and so I, I'm with you. I thought there were more positives overall. This team still has a ton of question marks, but... You know, minus Alabama with the way the West is shaking up, I don't know if anyone's very good. And so they're 6-0, and and if you can just find a way to do that you know, five or, God forbid, six more times, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape at the end of the year. I don't necessarily think that will happen. But I did think there were more positives today, um, particularly in the second half. I mean, from Mingo, uh, it was very clear they were emphasizing him, and they ran a couple of really interesting draw-ups in the second half that led to touchdowns for him. And I thought they played pretty well after a lethargic first half, and they deserve credit for that despite the struggles. It, you said outside of Alabama, and while I agree, I'm watching Jalen Milrow, and it's not great. He's not a bad thrower, but he's not a good thrower. They don't go down the field with it. I mean, his his best offense is running the football, and he can really run it. But I'll tell you, they're they're gettable right now. Now it would take it's still going to take a good game. Nobody's going to luck into it. And we talk about stability of emotions. Alabama does that better than anybody in the country. Is they're everybody's Super Bowl and they show up and they play well almost every damn week. But he just just does not scare you at all. I mean, he just really doesn't. No, and I think a lot of it's their offensive line. Alabama's offensive line, particularly as it pertains to pass blocking, at least from the eye test, doesn't seem that it's been great. So I agree. I mean, I say outside of Alabama just because I wasn't really convinced to write them off after they struggled in a really hostile environment against Texas a few weeks ago. They're clearly the best team, but I, I agree. I think they're more gettable than they've been in years past. And that game is in Oxford in November and you know, that's a hell of a lot better than playing in Tuscaloosa, obviously. So who knows? And that kind of leads me back to what I was talking about a second ago. Let's just kind of survive every week. If you can just find a way to continue to stack wins, groundbreaking analysis there, it, it's going to be good because I think this league full of average teams or slightly above average teams or somewhere in there is going to eat itself a little bit. And hey, Ole Miss is entering, what, the third week of October at 6-0. and that's a, uh, that's a pretty solid place to be. First time since 2014. I haven't looked at the poll on who's lost ahead of them, but a chance of moving up past number nine or wherever they're sitting right now. And I talked to Jeffrey about it for a few minutes. 
you're getting an Auburn team that I will be incredibly impressed if they were locked in for Ole Miss on Saturday. I mean, it's just one thing after another after another. You lose the game to LSU where it's kind of a heartbreaker and you do show up for Harson and play well for a half relative to your ability. You sort of kind of hang around while Georgia shoots itself in the foot over and over and over again, and then you get popped. Your coach is definitely out at some point, even if it's at the end of the year. You're on a third-string quarterback, depending on how you want to talk about that competition. I, it, it will it will be one of Harson's miracles if they show up completely and utterly engaged for Ole Miss. I mean, the schedule's not doing Ole Miss any favors by playing Arkansas later when K.J. Jefferson's probably healthy, but it's absolutely doing Ole Miss a favor by when it's catching Auburn. It's, it's just hard. We, we've covered those kind of teams before in Oxford. It's hard to see Auburn not being somewhat listless if Ole Miss will jump out, play well in the first half, and get ahead of the Tigers. Yeah, and even if they are engaged, they don't have a quarterback. And no. they just it's impossible to win in this league without some semblance of quarterback play, and they, they literally have none of it. I get that Ashford can run a little bit, but I mean it, it's fully on display the last couple of weeks. It's just they can't do anything offensively. It changes the calculus on everything they're trying to do, and by that I mean they can't really do a whole hell of a lot of anything. So I'm with you, but also, if they again, if they are engaged, does that matter that much? I think Ole Miss will beat them pretty handily if Ole Miss shows up and plays well. And I know Ole Miss doesn't beat Auburn often, and I get all of that going in, but I just think this year is different in that sense. And the schedule does not do Ole Miss any favors in the back half with who they have to face, but I'm not sure this team would be 6-0 and if some of that was flipped, not the entire schedule, but just if they'd had to play in Alabama or in LSU the second or third game of the year as this team kind of finds its identity and works out some kinks and all that. I, I think overall this the way this schedule is laid out, is an enormous positive for Ole Miss. So we'll see what happens next week, but I, I, I don't think Ole Miss will have a ton of trouble with Auburn because on top of that, I know the kickoff time has been a real you know, point of discussion amongst the message board and people that have followed the program or whatever. I, I think that probably works in Ole Miss's favors a little bit too because as you just outlined everything that Auburn's going through, now they have to go get up for an 11 a.m. game on the road after the last couple of weeks. I, you know, there's a million reasons why I'm not an SEC athlete, but I'd have a hard time not getting on that field and being like, no, eh, no thanks. Yeah, and, you know, the Auburn thing is real. I mean, they, they have, Ole Miss has not beaten Auburn very much. But Lane has sort of removed all those kind of things. I mean, Ole Miss, after they win today, they're 17-3 and three in their last 20. We not keep doing the stats and adding a game. I mean, that's 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 since the 50s. They've now won 13 home games in a row. I mean, and, and, and I get that Ole Miss fans are obviously excited. You went to a Sugar Bowl last year, all those things. I understand. But I don't know if while you're in the moment like this, everybody fully grasps the improvements and where this program is. When he took that job in 2019, if you just said, hey, you're only a season away Frankly, a season where they would have gone eight and four had it been a non-COVID year because they went four and four in the SEC, basically. Um, that you're going to go seventeen and three and twenty, win thirteen in a row, go to a Sugar Bowl, be ranked in the top ten the next year. I mean, the mindset has completely shifted, where the goals and perceptions are higher and have raised, and I, they, it's happened so quickly. I don't even think everybody's fully taking that step back and going holy hell at how fast this has happened and what this looks like. It's just sort of a normalization of it. And it is completely just the normal thing for this program, which is a credit to Lane and a credit to everybody involved and everything else. But I mean, this is, this is 
this is pretty lofty stuff that in some ways we sort of just mention and then move on from. They're winning games like last week. I know we didn't talk last week on like the post game, but they found a way to win those games and force two turnovers. Like they're winning games like they did in the Egg Bowl last year and at Tennessee. And I, today, I guess, would have been sort of another example. There's plenty of decent Ole Miss teams to good Ole Miss teams that would have gotten in that situation down 10. And you would have probably known or at least had a pretty big hunch that this thing was about to get pretty weird. And Ole Miss didn't necessarily end up on the right side of it historically when games get weird like that. And today it turned into a 25-point or 32-point blowout or whatever the final score was, I guess 52-28. I think that's indicative of it. It's something that's hard to describe. And I asked Buchanan about it this week. I asked Nick Broker about it too. It's just they start to believe that the good things are going to happen when they get in scenarios like that and they get late in games. They make plays instead of getting paralyzed by the moment and I know that sounds a little corny but I think it's true and I think they gain confidence that good things are going to happen when they get late in games like that the more and more they start winning these things and look in the SEC West 17 and 3 in your last 20 games with an all conference 10 game season and COVID mixed in there I think at some point I guess that wouldn't quite be mixed in but you get my point is I mean that's that's a pretty damn good record and there's just not a lot of programs doing that I mean look Everyone's searching for consistency in college football these days as you're firing coaches and buyouts mount up. And it's a rarer and rarer thing to achieve. And whatever this team's flaws are as a program, they've certainly achieved that stability. And they've had a chance and will have a chance in every single game they play this year. And I'm not sure you could have said that about an Ole Miss team from 2016 on. And it's it's rarer than people may think or want to believe because we all get captivated by the moment and everything. But it's really, really impressive. And, uh, you know, they're going to have another really good chance to add another win to that total next week. Look, I in 2009, that was a team that went to the Cotton Bowl in the second straight year, and they started the year fourth in the country. I still remember when they won their sixth game and Ole Miss announced in the in the crowd, you know, over the, over the PA, Ole Miss is now bowl eligible and you get the huge cheer. I mean, I haven't said bowl eligible one time on a podcast the entire season. That is a complete and utter just thing on the way to other things. I mean, it's 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 the football version of when Mike goes, yeah, I'm not worried about the SEC tournament. That's not really what we're doing here. You know what I mean? I mean, this is – it's it's a great point. I mean, when's the last time you thought about it? I didn't even think about it. I guess they got bowl eligible today. Yeah, they're going to a bowl. Woo! Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you don't even think about it. I think that's as good of an indication as anything that expectations have changed. They they got to six and zero in bowl eligibility today, and I didn't really think about it until you just said that. Nor I doubt as many other people because the expectations are much higher. Had had it been a home game, Ole Miss would not have done that over the loudspeaker today. No, whatever. No, I don't think so. And, and if, if so, had, Lane would have made fun of probably fire an intern. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He loves making fun of some of this. He loves looking at Kyle over there in the corner after he kind of smirks about some stat or whatever they had, which yeah. always cracks me up when I watch it. But you're right. It, it's Times are changing and expectations are changing, and it's it's totally warranted with the way this program has been transformed under Lane Kiffin in a very short amount of time because it's not like the thing Nut stepped into in 08 where it's like, all right, this team has a bunch of talent. Can you be confident with it? It's, I anticipated this being a longer rebuild, as I did, as did I think, everyone else. And it's, it's remarkable to watch unfold. Uh, Addison, appreciate the, uh, the, the live stream comment. I've got it highlighted here. He says, uh, 
Ole Miss is favored against everyone left on the schedule with the exception of LSU and Bama, according to ESPN, if that holds true, back-to-back 10-win seasons. Yeah, 10-2 and seasons. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about probably from a Vegas or at least a computer standpoint, Ole Miss is halfway through the season and the computers are picking them to win double-digit games in the regular season for back-to-back seasons. I mean, that's it. And that's, LSU, that's after the, what you saw today, are you worried? And I say worried. That game looked tight. Well, see, that's the thing where the computer to me doesn't make a lot of sense is I, I think LSU is the third – I think that's the fourth hardest game left. I think it's Alabama still number one just because it's Alabama, and then it's State at home or at Arkansas ahead of LSU and Baton Rouge. Isn't there a chance you could put A&M over in there an argument that it's the fifth most difficult game? I mean, look, I'd probably end up siding with LSU if you really wanted to take some time and look at it side by side. But, yeah, it's fourth or arguably the fifth hardest left, I think. And they're both on the road. Yeah. Yeah. make that argument. And A&M's got a good defense. Like, they can get after it from a pass rush standpoint. And, you know, I don't know what they are offensively as I watch them try to run some kind of reverse with Haynes King blocking. But – I'd probably put them on equal footing, them going yeah. to A&M and them going to LSU. Yeah. All right, bud. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow, so I'll get more with uh, more with Brian. We'll have that up probably late tomorrow or Monday morning on all of our podcast channels and everywhere you listen to our show. And then uh, a normal week as well with, uh, with him when he gets his normal co-host back. So appreciate it. Have a good night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Wait, I got one more thing. Yeah. That was sure. an all-NIS touchdown for the cover. Dent oh. to a prep kid. Just would throw that out there. As Who is the last out. MAIS running back to get a touchdown in the SEC before that? Do you have any idea? No clue, but I would maybe say Isaiah Woolard. Or no, no, Ely, Ely. Oh, uh, duh. Sorry, never mind. Yeah, kid. my fault. Uh, sorry. Whoops. Isaiah Woolard probably after that. I, know he, I think he had a touchdown against Vanderbilt a couple years ago, but we were living in the glory days of private school football. I just had to get that in there. I mean, look, when Lane needed the cover and he needed the points, that's where he went. The math kids had just, to. Just saying. I mean, that, 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 that's where he went. So, it's, uh, it's there. Enjoy the night. Talk to you soon. Yep, be good. Have a good one. Later. Was Brian Rippey joining us? Neil is out of the hotel. Let me tell him just to let me know when he is um, back. And I will open up the lines for a second. Someone wants to call while we're waiting on him. Not else to do. So I've got those uh, here. Let me find the hotline. 662-259-7556 is the number. If you want to call and chat with me, that is the number to do so. Again, we will call Neil whenever he gets situated. We're not far away from that. But lines open if you want to call. Again, 662-259-7556 is the number. Alabama and Texas A&M still scoreless been a fairly boring game frankly to this point um both offenses have bogged down and then south carolina kentucky who's on the line hey chase it's mark how are you tonight mark how are you good i'm doing pretty well tonight good ball game today it was a good game. I mean, well, I mean, not all of it, but some of it. It was several good games today. It was, it was a fairly entertaining day of football, even though it was a lot of blowouts. I mean, you know, I thought the I thought the morning slate was interesting. I sort of laughed at myself that you had LSU, Tennessee, Florida, Oklahoma, and Texas all playing, and the game that I was most focused on was TCU-Kansas. I watched a lot of TCU-Kansas. I watched a lot of uh, Tennessee-LSU. For some reason, I couldn't take that off the TV, even when Tennessee was killing them. 
were you cheering for Tennessee? I wanted Tennessee to beat them, but I wanted LSU to make it a game. I, you know, something about watching a game in Tiger Stadium when it's you know close and tense and all that is is pretty exciting. But I, I definitely wanted Tennessee to win the game. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about Ole Miss uh, Vanderbilt today? So there there was some discussion among our group watching the game, uh, a little bit tongue in cheek that Lane was playing chess in the first half. You know, getting ready to go into the gauntlet that we're going to go into over the la- the back half of the season. We haven't had to play from behind this year, and so that you know he and Partridge and everybody set the team up to play from behind today. Well, that would have been chess. That would have been. 3D chess to the highest degree, um, considering when Vanderbilt got the ball. But I, I do – it's kind of what I was talking about with Brian. I think there are things that can be taken as positives from that because they were in that situation. That, yeah, I think – you know, I Obviously, think the right. last minute against Kentucky, that was a losable game. But from the standpoint of being down two scores and having to come back and, you know, not let it extend, yeah, there's, there's a lot you had to learn there. I mean, for a team that has some young elements, but also a team that just hasn't played together a ton because of all the portal guys. It's easy to say it as a result of what happened today, but Vanderbilt does look like a better team. I mean, it's 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 all in the context of who they are, uh, coming off zero and eight and two and ten. But but they are a better team. I think you and Jeffrey were talking about them being more athletic. Ray Davis is is actually really good. Yeah, they had a receiver out there that was good. Quarterback Shepard's was good. pretty solid. AJ Swan is not bad, and he's definitely not yeah. bad for a young kid. He's yeah, fine. I agree. I mean, he, All right, he's so completely I, I have a, uh, Go ahead. I, I have a theory that I want your opinion on, and this has nothing to do with today's game, but it does have to do with football. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a stats and analytics guy. Um, pretty much every time a team comes out to kick off, I think they should kick an onside kick, but I know that that's probably not a good idea. But I, but I have always wondered something. So when it gets late in the game, the only thing that can hurt a team is a kickoff return for a touchdown after they've scored. What do you often see at that point in time? You you, you often see a squib kick, right? Sure. Uh-huh. The, the low the low kick on the ground can't return for a touchdown. So why do kickers if if a squib if a squib kick is safe and it's going to keep the return team from returning it for a touchdown? These kickers are pretty much soccer players. And they're really accurate in their kicks. They're really good at what they do. Why don't we kick squib kicks? And by we, I don't mean Ole Miss. I mean anybody. Why do kickers not kick squib quick squib kicks right at the chest of one of the upbacks in the hopes that it hits and bounces back? We got a live ball and we can recover it. Um, would it would it bounce? Well, a you would have to hit them, and b would it bounce? Would it bounce off of them where they didn't catch it? I mean, I have no idea. So they're I'm mostly, trying to think through it a little bit. But. <laughs> they're mostly offensive linemen, so I'm going under the assumption that they're not going to catch it. Okay. If it doesn't hit them. Now, here's your thing. You do it hit. once, they're going to put their hands team on the field for kickoff return next time. But that's a good thing for kickoff coverage, right? So then you start just mixing it up or kicking it deep or whatever, I guess. Yeah. I just – there's no way I'm the only person in the world that's ever thought about this, but if you smoke a line drive right in an up back and it misses them, you've got a squib kick. And if it hits them, you've got an opportunity. It's true. And, and I think the reason they don't squib kick in general is that while, yes, you don't return it for a touchdown as often, 
you also are probably giving them the ball with a 35 to 40 most times. There's true to that. There's probably you losing today, 10 to 15 yards in, simply on what's going on. Going back to the to the math nerd, the difference between expected points scored starting from the 25 and 35 is not that not that great. Sure, of course. Now, look, there's another level of analytics that coaches have not gotten to simply because the eye test does not fit it where they think they're going to get yelled at by fans. Or they don't believe in it there, because the eye test doesn't fit it, one or the other. There's, there's a fear of embarrassment for making a bad decision. And, and it's one of the Lane things that, that makes Lane one of the better coaches, though, because he does point that out and go, hey, you still just got to make the decision. You can't be mortified because you're going to get made fun of in a press conference. So I watched LSU go for it multiple times today. And I, admittedly, I did not watch Notre Dame a whole lot under Brian Kelly. But I'm guessing that Brian Kelly went for it more frequently today than he ever would have with Notre Dame. I watched Mike Leach go for it more today on fourth and short. I'm wondering if Lane is starting to rub off on the rest of the league. There is it's a couple things. I'm sure analytics in general are permeating through the league to a higher degree. I also think there is some – comfort in a crowd where once coaches start doing it more do it because it's in the acceptable thing i mean we're, we're not too far away from the really really conservative coaches being the ones that are just completely the ones made fun of yeah and i think I, we're I mean, close I, to that anyway I, I think that the guy who's just constantly kicking field goals and punting he comes off like a complete dinosaur right now yeah bear, bear Bryant was i mean this is it's related but unrelated. Bear Bryant was famous for saying he would he would be the the second coach in the league to have an African American player, but he would never be the first. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's uh, it's not the same thing, but it is. I mean, I don't know what you mean. It's it's nobody wants to be the first anything. Everybody's always yeah. terrified for being the first, whatever. Yeah, I mean, hell, I, I, mean, I, I know reporters that go into paralysis even if they have a scoop because they want to see somebody else do it first, just in case they're wrong. Yeah. I mean, no, it's 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 a very real thing. Well, I, I for whatever reason, the, the game was going poorly early to, early today, and I was never really worried about it. I don't know why, um, but it, it it worked out, and I think at the end of the day, it was good for the team to have that experience. You know, Auburn's going to come into town in whatever shape they're in. They're 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 not good, and that man walking, but. Uh, it, it's starting to feel like, and I, I think I have the schedule right. Auburn and LSU and A and M in some order. It's like nine and zero with Bama coming to town, right? It's at least in view. Yeah, I mean you got some games coming up, but yeah, I mean we're we're at least sort of kind of getting into that realm. Now there's a bye week between A and M and Alabama, so God help us all for those two weeks. Well, we were four and zero with Kentucky to come in, with Kentucky coming to town for six months with you and Neil. So we can we're three weeks out. We can okay. be nine and zero with Bam. That's fair. Town. All right, all right. I'll I'll eat that one. You're right. <laughs> so, that's all fine. right. Be good. Y'all have fun tonight. All right. Thank you. Again, six six two two five nine seven five five six. While we're waiting on Mr. McCready. Had the stats pulled. Go to that again. 662-259-7556. Uh, let's see. Stats. Or can I put this up here? Yeah, okay, I can put it on the screen too. Uh, Jackson Dart. We mentioned this at the top of the show. 25 of 32. 448. Three touchdowns. Two interceptions. That is the fifth all-time passing game in Ole Miss history. The record's 513. That was Matt Corral 
against South Carolina in the clipboard game. That is the record 513, but Dart's 448 is the fifth all-time. He, uh, let's see, completed 78% of his passes. Again, three touchdowns, two picks. Zach Evans, a really good day. We didn't talk about him a lot, but he went 11 carries for 80 yards and a score. Had a long of 24. Judkins finished 11 for 46. He was pretty bogged down early. I think he was barely over two yards per carry through most of the game, although he did score twice, including the big second-half touchdown where the Vanderbilt kid met him at the goal line and essentially just tried to shoulder him up, and that didn't that didn't work. Who's on the line? Uh, Charles. Charles, how are you? I'm doing great tonight. Uh, Chase, how are you? I'm all right. Both of you. What you think? Uh, I just want to add one little something, and uh, I'm going to hang up and listen. I wish uh, – <clears throat> We, we were a little sluggish to start out today. Um, I think we had a little attitude adjustment at the half. Mm-hmm. Came out, and we're a completely different football team, and one going away. Uh, I just wished our fans would take them one game at a time and quit talking about we're, we're going to be 7-0, and 9-0 with so-and-so coming to town. Uh, I, I just – they forget where we've been and where we're hopefully where we're going. Uh, just, just quit uh, talking about uh, future games and taking things for granted, and let's just play them one at a time. Our players don't need to, as uh, one particular coach says, uh, rat poison. We don't need to get into that game. Uh, let's just uh, play hard and keep having fun. That's all. I'll hang up and listen to your comment. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks, Charles. Good to hear from you. Coming up real quick. You know, by the way, Alabama scores goes up seven to nothing against Texas A&M, pending the kick. It's six nothing right now. I, I, I do think it dovetails back into. Hold on one second, caller. I, I think it dovetails back into what I was saying a minute ago, though. Is seventeen and three in the last twenty. Enjoy every one of them. I mean, today was a whatever point win against Vanderbilt. It's a fan. I mean, just take it. Spend a couple days. Do the next one. I mean, I I do think it's one of those deals where that's how you do start. And I don't mean like looking ahead as in, look, the fan base is not necessarily impacting games at all. I don't don't mean it from that standpoint. But just as you build, there is a lot of fun and wins and week-to-week of builds and as far as that goes. Who are we talking to? Sorry about that. This is Boomer from New Hampshire. How you doing, bud? Good, how are you? I'm lovely. Good. Can we talk about the O-line play? Uh, sure. What would you think about it? Uh, it's a tale of two halves, right? First half was um, I've seen better by varsity high school play, and second <laughs> half was rather decent, right? I, I, I said at the top of the show, and maybe I'm wrong, I thought they – we're moving a lot of guys around in the first half. I thought I saw a couple people in different positions than usual. I really want to look tomorrow or into Monday morning if they had more volatility up front than they have in past weeks because it it does kind of seem like that all the way around. Um, right. I, look, yeah, they did not get a lot of push early in the game. I think that affected everything because when Ole Miss, at least going in, when, when some of those early scripts didn't work as far as inside running – it put more pressure on the passing game. But Vanderbilt was also stacking it. I mean, Ole Miss needed to throw them out of it. 
which they did in the second half and did a better job. They didn't do a very good job of that in the first half. So I think it was scheme-based to an extent, but it remains the one thing that we – Kentucky on the defensive side showed a little of it. Offensively, Kentucky was not very good. But the one challenge that Ole Miss probably faces is still the really physical middle of the line of scrimmage teams on both sides of the ball. And I think that's something that we we, we just don't know yet. And maybe, I mean, look, we're halfway through the schedule, so maybe there aren't a lot of teams that can do that. But in same points, but in some ways, that is that is one thing I'm still sort of waiting to see when it gets into a really tough game in the second half, and you kind of see where it goes. Right, but how many schemes you need when the uh, when the center snaps the ball over the quarterback's head like ten feet? It did get better. I mean, you're right. Better. I mean, snapping is an issue. I mean, there's it's not going to be an all pro level quarterback center ex- exchange this, this this year. It's it's just not. But I did think well, – here's the thing. It's almost kind of like an umpire. In the second half, and to your point, as you're, as you're right, is I didn't even notice the snaps. I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Which means, okay, it was, you know, it was whatever. They just played the, – the, it was part of the rhythm and the motion and the way their offense works on, on some of their, their play calling is that if that center quarterback exchange is bad, they can't even run the plays. In the second half, they were able to get into some of those rhythms because, I mean, I thought the snapping was completely acceptable and fine at that point. He was not right. having to look all all over the world for the ball. Right, but once you get into the, I would say, the deep SEC play, I mean, how much, like, how, 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 how enough is enough, you know? It's like when we play against Alabama and Texas A&M and Auburn, the, the, the you know, the deep part of our SEC, uh, the schedule, like, we can't afford mistakes, right? Sure, but I mean, I just—I mean, unless there's some, Caleb is not going to get 100% healthy during the season, and there's not an automatic answer on who you're putting there. Right. And I mean, again, I'm not even arguing. I just think it is what it is. I mean, I think it's one of those things where, yes, if they lose some games, you'll point to two or three different things as the reason why, and that's very possible. That's one of the reasons why they might lose a football game. I mean, it's right. something that only gets better with more depth and more recruiting and more experience as time goes on. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not disagreeing. You're exactly right. I just think they're in a bind because you have the roster you have, and it, it just you, – you've got to make do with the best that it is. And if you get this level of improvement over the next week or two weeks, we probably at least stop talking about it to the point that it's a, it, it's a non-issue. I mean, you – they just need – and I look, it's two different things. They need a true center to snap the ball. But also, there aren't a lot of centers that translate from high school to college. I mean, it's it's very common for high school offensive linemen to play something other than center and then be a college center. So while right. look, I'm not blaming Eli Acker when he's had bad snaps because he's it, he's new to it. I mean, it, it's brand new. It takes some time. You've got a 300 pound nose tackle over your over your nose. That's that's something that's going to take a, a bit of adjustment to. However, in saying that, it's it's pretty common for guards to morph into centers over time. Right. It's just like how many snaps can we afford to lose at that point, you know? And maybe one if it's at the wrong time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, don't think, I mean, when we play against Bama, I don't think we afford any, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what so I mean. So, is it Caleb Warren? Is it Eli Acker? Is it – do we pull somebody else? It's like, what's going on? Because I watched the first half, and it was, I think, was it like the fourth, fifth play was snapped way over Jackson Dart's head. Yeah. So, but 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 I don't recall anything past that. 
No, no, no. That's why I said Tales to Halves, because the first yeah. half, I think, I, I turned the game on, and I was just like, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And the second half, I turned it on, and I was like, this is almost football. You know? Yeah, sure. So, which, which, half of, which, which half of the center is going to show up? Which half of, I guess, Caleb Warren at this point is going to show up? And I wonder a little bit. I mean, this is just so far speculation. I don't know unless we talk to him at some point this week. I, I give him more of a pass with it being on the first series. That you're right. back in an adjustment and that's when it happened. Like, in some ways, as, as weird as it sounds, that makes more sense to me if it's on, then it's on the fourth series and you've already gotten in the rhythm of the game and then you just screw one up. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm only speaking because, you know, I'm the, I'm the retired high school football O-lineman that got, you know, moved over to center. But, it's like, to me, it didn't take that long to transition, you know, because I got pulled over to center at one point, and it took me, what, a week to snap the ball more than five yards. But as, you know, we're 6-0, we're moving into the deep SEC play. It's like we have to find a answer at that point. I figured at this point under a lane kip and offense, we would have a answer to snapping the ball more than five yards down the field. Yeah. You probably didn't have an SEC nose guard over you most of the time. It's probably a little no, more complicated. No, SEC nose guard, but Lamar Jackson was in my district, and I played against Khalil Mack, and I played against Justin Simmons, okay. and I played against NFL talent. Okay. Right? You know, it took me a week to figure it out. And again, you know, you know, apples to apples kind of thing, but it's how, how, you know, how long is it going to take, right? Yeah, and I, I don't I, – I honestly don't – I think Caleb being healthy fixes the issue. Otherwise, I don't think you're going to see some huge improvement over the course of the season. I, I think it's going to be what where it's at right now. As long as you get the second small forward, so. Yeah. That makes All sense. Right, Fair enough. Appreciate it for the call. Thank All you. Right. That's our first call from that state, so appreciate that. Trying to or get a map and start crossing them off over the course of the show. I never really thought about that, but I think that's the first one from there. Uh, let's see. Still waiting on Neil, so time for another call or two if you'd like to do that. Again, 662-259-7556 is the number. Uh, I mentioned the rush yardage. Yeah, Matt Jones gets those three carries late for the three yards and a touchdown. Uh J.J. Henry had one carry on a jet sweep for negative one yard. And then from a receiving standpoint, Mingo, nine for 247. Again, that is a school record. Elijah Moore had the previous record at 236 or 238. I forget which number it was. Uh, Elijah took him 14 catches against Vanderbilt in 2020. Mingo does it nine catches for 247, two scores. And that one, a long of 72. He also had one of 71. Watkins went for 61 as well. And then Watkins, seven catches for 117 yards in that one. Who am I talking to? Hey, Chase. John Hale in San Luis Obispo, California. Oh, there you go. Got another. How are you, John? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm hanging in all right. Just uh, well, A&M can't score, so I'm trying to flip between that game. I was actually more interested in Kentucky, South Carolina, but it's at the half right now. We're we're doing the same thing. But I just wanted to chime in. Jonathan Mingo had an incredible game today, and no one seems to have noticed. 
you know, in some ways, he was the offensive player of the game because, you know, I mean, Dart obviously had the 400 and whatever yards. And I was, I was mentioning Mingo kind of right when I was answering your call is that it was a lot of catch and run. I mean, I, 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 I'll pull that to the next couple of days to see from an air yard standpoint, because Mingo on two of his catches and Watkins catch that a, a lot of the total yards covered was done on the ground running versus, uh, versus through the air. No, look, Mingo, look, he's been a talented guy since high school. He, is physical. Absolutely. He blocks really well on the corner. He does so many things that don't get talked about in the run game. His body control has improved. He goes up. He high points the football. He wins a lot of one-on-ones. He wins a lot of uh, contested catches. And then, as Jeffrey mentioned earlier in the show, his speed, because he's healthy, has gotten back into a max level. And he does have the ability to take the top off. And it's a matchup problem. Because if you're not bracketing him, if you're going to run with him, you definitely, I mean, you're definitely having to use a corner, but the point is a lot of corners he's going to manhandle and be able to do things shorter and in, in the intermediate part of the game. So it's very hard to cover him at all three levels with the same guy unless you're talking about one of the more elite SEC uh, defensive backs. Absolutely. It was just uh, great to see him healthy again, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And even though it was against Vanderbilt, he made a huge difference and uh, – Hopefully he can keep it going and the reps can improve week to week. And congratulations on your book, man. I'm really happy oh, for you. And you, uh, we'll that. see what happens down the road. Absolutely. Auburn in one week. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Take care, Chase. Thanks to John. So we went to New Hampshire, California with back-to-back calls. I mean, about as coast to coast as you can do that. Got tweeted that yesterday, I think, when the book sold in Washington. So MPW Digital, RebelGrove.com. Covering a lot of ground here. Uh, finishing up the thing, Evans, two catches, 15 yards. Trig, the one catch where he in- injures his shoulder to whatever extent. Again, I still don't know anything about that. One catch, 28 yards on that one. Judkins, one catch, 14 yards. And then Jalen Robinson, one catch, one yard. Two targets for him. Mingo was targeted 11 times, turned those nine catches um, out of 11 targets. A.J. Swan for Vanderbilt, 27 of 38, 281, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I thought he was really good today. I mean, I, I, Swan's got a future. I mean, whether it's at Vanderbilt or Transfer Portal or whatever happens, he was good. Um, Ray Davis, we make a lot of jokes about him being maybe, maybe my next running back crush, but he entered the day in the top five in the SEC in rushing. 27 carries, 105 yards, touchdown. He only averaged 3.9, but he was a workhorse for them, did a good job. They had not much else to speak of in a run game standpoint at all. And then from receiving the Shepherd kid, nine car- nine catches, 87 yards, and a score out of 14 targets. They targeted Shepard 14 times today. So that is, uh, that is interesting. Neil is back. We'll call him in one second. Let me tell him that real quick. Yeah, Shepard nine for eighty-seven, and then McGowan goes seven for one hundred four. He had eight targets. So Vanderbilt twenty-two targets out of two receivers. They also had two guys with six targets each there in uh, in that one. Yeah, A and M first and goal now. Stuff pretty good on first and goal. I don't know if you guys are a play ahead of me or not. Let's get Neil on the line.
Touchdown A&M. Got a tie game. Hello? Hey, can you hear You can't hear me? Hey. Yeah, I hear you now. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Okay, we're cool. Doing like a, we're doing like a Verizon commercial or something. I said A&M score, oh. touchdown, 7-7. Seven, seven. Oh, okay. I, I've not seen a single play of that game. I literally just walked into my room. Yeah, Alabama scored a few minutes ago, and now A&M with a five-yard touchdown throw and catch, 7-7 seven, seven in the second quarter. It's almost like Alabama's not nearly as good without Bryce Young. They like, are like quarterback, like quarterback play matters or something. They are a touch fallible right now. I think that is a very clear thing here. Is look, they might still be the best team in the West, but it's they're it, it's somewhat of a Ole Miss got a lot of schedule breaks. They're catching Auburn at a good time. There's lots of positives you can say about them. They're not catching Alabama and Arkansas when you would want to catch Alabama and Arkansas. You'd like to play them right now, tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. Both of them. Yeah. Um, probably a good thing not playing Mississippi State right now. Well, that's a good point. They're playing all right. Yeah. I had a perfect day going in Neil's picks until Lane decided to score with 20 seconds left. Well, I sent down a text asking him to help me. So He did. Jeffrey believes he that he would not have done that had Clark Lee not gone for two and onside kicked. I agree. I think had Lee not done the onside kick, they wouldn't have uh, they, they wouldn't have done it. Now that being said, he really wanted to get the record for Jonathan, and so that's why they threw the ball there. But he could have taken know. the knee I, on the on the two or the three or whatever, though. He could have, but I'm sure that's his responsibility. You didn't have to onside kick. Yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, look. Uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, and you didn't have play, to go for I'm two. Play. Yeah. And he had Dent but, and you know, Jones into the game. Yeah, but I don't have a problem with any of it. I mean, I don't have a problem with, with Clark doing what he did. I mean, you're very clearly trying to establish some culture. I was just kind of outside of Vanderbilt's uh, locker room there for a little while. I was waiting for Chris to uh, get me. And, um, you know, you can kind of overhear some of the conversations with Vanderbilt kids. And, I mean, they're they're – the the effort to rebuild, to establish and rebuild and, and, and culture and that kind of thing there is, is a really tall hill to climb. And, and, and you can't keep – you can't stop kind of pressing a little bit if you're in Clark Lee's shoes. So I don't have any problem with, you know, either either coach doing what they did. Mm -hmm. Do we get any indication at all on Troy Brown or Michael Trude? No. Okay. What was your guess? I couldn't tell on Troy, uh, on Trig, my guess is that uh, it was a significant shoulder injury. By the way, I, had, I put the binoculars on him and I was watching it the whole way. It was um, hanging. It was kind of hanging and they took him into the, the room. Uh, they, the first doctor worked on him and then they brought over more people and then they, they took him in and took the pads off. And, you know, look, you hate to guess on injuries because it could just be nothing and, and, and you know, but my guess is that he separated it, mm -hmm. you know, so what that means, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, and I couldn't tell on Troy at all. And you I, know how that is chase. You're in the, you're in a press box and you start getting to that point in the game where you're writing a lot. Yeah. And so you're not, uh, you're trying to, you know, I was trying to, I had a column that was sort of pre-written and, and frankly that that game was such that I felt like I couldn't, that, that couldn't stand alone. So I sort of did an analysis piece with it. That was more Vanderbilt game centered and, so I was kind of banging that out at the same time I was doing that game story with notes on the bottom. And, and so, 
you know, I didn't even, I didn't even get the stuff about Mingo it being a record in the story. So I guess I probably need to go back and edit that in, but, um, I was just kind of busy. And so I didn't, I don't, I don't even know that I, I really could tell anything on Troy. And I was sitting up there next to sus and, uh, or Jameer Gibbs. God, he's quick. Um, I was sitting up there next to sus and, and, uh, cats and them, and they didn't mention it either. So I think we all sort of missed it. And then by the time we realized he wasn't out there, we didn't know. It, it, it looked like there's at least, again, I know nothing. I'm only watching on television. There was the possibility of it being a stinger for Troy, the way it kind of came off. That's what my initial guess was, was stinger. Yeah. You know, and, and Lane's not going to – Lane's not going to – you know, when I covered the Saints, Sean Payton would open every – touchdown Alabama. Um, Sean Payton would, would open every press conference with, here's a rundown on the injuries. It, 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 Lane's not <laughs> That's not that. a thing, is it? <laughs> No. <laughs> um, there's a couple ways to look at this. Vanderbilt dominated the lines of scrimmage in the first half, forced Ole Miss mm-hmm. into some four-man front on defense that worked. Ole Miss made some adjustments. All the adjustments paid off. It was a bludgeoning in the third quarter to put the game away. Partridge mm-hmm. continues to do a good job from a coaching standpoint. Dart got some rhythm in the second half. I mean, forget the records and the points and all that stuff, but just the offense looked like you kind of think the offense is supposed to look like the run game with Evans did open it up a little bit. I've said this a couple of times, but I want to get your take on it. And I don't think I'm being Pollyanna. They showed a lot of maturity being down 10, going, get the score and then putting the game away. Something that Lane had been wanting was, Hey, get the knockout when you can do it. And they had to overcome that as well. There's probably more positives and negatives, barring injuries, out of this game where we got another piece of the overall puzzle as they head into Auburn next week. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I wrote this in my column, so I feel like I'm, I'm sort of repetitive, but if you've watched college football this year, you can't be surprised when a team like Vanderbilt gives a team like Ole Miss fits for a couple of quarters. That That just cannot be surprising at this point in the season. We see it everywhere in all every league you can't be surprised when it happens to Ole Miss and then you have to first before you dive into the Ole Miss end of it I think you have to give Vanderbilt some credit they had a good plan um they they played they came out ready to play they had a weekend off they were fresh uh they, they played with a bunch of energy uh, DeAndre Prince admitted that you know Ole Miss kind of looked at him as a lesser opponent which they're kids they're not football robots um all of those things played in, in, and then, you know, look, that quarterback's good. I mean, I don't know how closely you got to watch it on, on TV, but he's a good player. He makes some really nice throws and they've got a really good scheme for him. They're going to have a hard time keeping him. Uh, I think uh, he's going to have opportunities. His, his phone's going to ring. Um, but, you know, they, they did some good things and they built that lead and they were playing with some confidence. And, and, and even at 20 to 10, there was no part of me that thought Ole Miss was going Mm-hmm. to lose the game. In fact, someone sent me a text like, hey, uh, Ole Miss, I, I bet you $10 Ole Miss is going to lose this game. And I said, bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I sent my Venmo later. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I'll, I'll take that bet. Ole Miss is going to win the game. Uh, I never thought, thought that. But I did think coming back and getting that touchdown at the end of the first half was big. You know, kind of told Vanderbilt, hey, you guys, y'all know this isn't going to happen, right? And, and, um, and then the way they dominated the third quarter. I mean, who knows? You know, Lane joked about it was a brilliant halftime speech, but I think what they did was they went in and said, come on, we got to play. 
you know, this isn't going to be easy. You got to, you got to show up. And, and I liked one of the answers that uh, I think it was the Andre Prince, but it might've been Jonathan Mingo said, I think it maybe it was Jonathan. He said, can't do that again. You can't have a half like that again, you know, and, and it's going to be tempting this week, you know, to look at Auburn and go, Oh, well, they suck. And, you know, Georgia beat them by 32. And, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to, they, they hadn't beaten anybody and they're team chaos. And, you can't play like that. You got to go get them. And then if you do go get them, it's going to be tempting to look at LSU, which, by the way, probably isn't going to be 230 now. Um, it's going to be tempting to look at LSU and go, they're not good. And anybody that's been around that league knows that, yeah, but you're going into that stadium and to play them, and, and they have players, and you can get beat. You know, this. I think today was a good thing for Ole Miss. I think it would have – had they just blown Vanderbilt off the field, if the third quarter had happened in the first quarter, this team might be a little full of itself. Instead, this team got to have a learning experience in a win, which is always a good thing because they're getting ready to go into a second half of the season where they enter it as, I don't know what they'll re- jump up to. They were nine. They'll be what, eight, seven. Um, they're they're going to be in the national title conversation this week when people start having those conversations. Ole Miss is going to be in the scroll. There's going to be a story up there that goes, can Ole Miss or Tennessee knock off Alabama or Georgia or whatever? Yeah, can Ole Miss or, yeah. Yeah, can they, can, can Ole Miss or Tennessee get to the playoffs? That's going to be the conversation. And, and the answer is yeah. But to do it, they can't have the first half where they – don't show uh, against, you know, you you have this first half in Baton Rouge or in Fayetteville, and you're probably not surviving it. No. I guess. No, no, no. Although I'm not, I mean, who knows how good those teams are? I mean, look, we, we do this thing every year in the league, and I don't know what the answer is. I mean, is the league good? Is the league not good? I don't know. I mean, you know, Alabama's a good team, but without Bryce Young, they're not a great team. A&M's nowhere close to what people hype them up to be. LSU got blown out today by Tennessee, who I think is very good. But still, um, you know, Arkansas played without Jefferson and got blown out. Uh, I don't know what state is. I think state's pretty good. State probably looks back on the second half of the LSU game and goes, what the hell was that? They probably think they should be 6-0. and And then, look, I think Ole Miss is good. I asked Lane Kiffin tonight, you know, how, how good can this team be? And, you know, he said we're not talking about championships right now. We 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 we've got we've got to get a lot better, which I think is an honest statement. I think it's true. Mm-hmm. It's fair. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, whatever. That's yeah. Kind of odd you giving Tennessee Saturday. We'll talk about Strong. it all week. Strong. Nobody's losing yeah. ahead of Ole Miss, by the way, in the polls, unless Alabama loses this game. Everybody else has one. Okay. Okay. I mean, it well, I don't know what Clemson. They, they don't. Mean, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. It doesn't matter at all. Um, yeah. I think Tennessee's got a real shot. Got a real shot. I mean, that place is going to be a zoo. Um, yeah, they got a real shot. Hooker's playing exceptional football right now. I mean. And look, I mean, how, how good is Tennessee playing? I mean, if Tennessee were to beat Alabama in Knoxville and Hooker has a big game, those are a couple of big ifs now, but he would be in the Heisman conversation. Oh, 100%. I think he's there now. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's having a special season. That Defensively, is a- I, want, I wonder what they can do. And But if, if I'm Alabama, i got to figure out a way for Bryce Young to get on the field. 
without him, they're completely susceptible. There's no, I mean, yeah, it's not. Yeah, w- w- without him, I, I really like Tennessee's chances. Without him, Vegas has a hard time with a line next week. What do you Real do with hard. that? Well, because you could you make know, the argument for like Tennessee minus two, frankly. Oh, that's a scoop. Oh, you can't fall down. Um, yeah. When was the last time Alabama wasn't favored? I guess Georgia. Mm, I guess if they weren't, yeah. no, I don't. I know. mean, that's a hell of a. By the way, the lack of parity. They just had that trivia question up. There are only five active head coaches with a national title. Five. That's it. Saban, Fisher, Dabo, uh, Kirby, and um, one more. He's not at the school he won the title at. Yeah. Matt Brown. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. It's 20 years ago. Yeah. That's it. Well, it's true. Tennessee can actually today? split Bama and Georgia and have a shot. What do you think today? Are the callers mostly negative or positive? <laughs> no, I'm fine. Um, everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's looking ahead. I, I found it. Like a friend of ours called in and said, you know, enjoy every week. And I, 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 again, I don't think fans are impacting the games, but I do think there's a certain part of Ole Miss has done this so fast that, the fan expectation is just on, hey, get to the playoff, do this. And I understand it. I mean, that's where I would be too. But there is sort of, hey, you're 17 and three. Like, smell the roses for a minute. Like, you're running the risk of, of looking too far ahead and not going, hey, you put up a 50 spot on, I know it was Vanderbilt, but you put up a 50 spot on an SEC team today. You're bowl eligible. I mean, Brian and I were laughing about this is you remember in 2009, that was even a team that was top five in the country coming in. And they did the yeah. – after the sixth win, which I think might have been against Lane, was the Ole Miss Rebels are now bowl eligible. Like, Lane would yell at someone if they did that at Baltimore today. Like, it's not even in the oh, realm. He, he, so would like you're, he, would kill, he would kill someone. <laughs> so your program is you in know such what? a better spot. Like, just take a breath for a minute. In 2019, can you imagine the celebration? 2019, that's not that long ago. In 2019, the celebration that would have occurred had Ole Miss gotten bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. 2019. There are players on the team today that were on the team in 2019. And today, 8-4 and four will be seen by a lot of the fans as a disappointment should that happen. And at this point, it would be. Yeah. Today's the first day that I'm saying that, by the way. And it's not really based on what Ole Miss did. It's just looking around the, the landscape. No, nine and three is your baseline right now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> I mean look, there's a real chance. <laughs> I mean, it's a risk of pissing off a lot of people. There's a real chance that that, that egg bowl is for something big. No, they still got to play Alabama and they still got to play Georgia. Georgia. But and that's the problem. Like they, they can have three losses going into the egg bowl. They could. They could. And maybe they play somebody else. I don't know. I don't know what their schedule is after that. Oh, they still have Kentucky. But Levis better be healthy. Still, they yeah, they still have Kentucky. They, they, they still have Auburn. But 
I mean, a North year Carolina six bowl is the is the standard. Yes, that's correct. A year six bowl is the expectation. Yeah, for sure. At this point, yeah. I mean, that's it's pretty damn remarkable. When you, again, 2019, not that long ago. Not that long ago. Really not that long ago. Mm-hmm. A, a, a New Year's Six bowl game was not the standard in 2019. In fact, it was a fantasy. It's no, it's remarkable. Seventeen and three. I mean, you'll get to do your your little stat again for one more game. Yeah, I mean, they're seventeen and three. Uh, let's see, Michigan won today, so they're eighteen and two. Um, Bama and Georgia. Obviously. Georgia won. Georgia won today, so they're nineteen and one. If Alabama wins, they're eighteen and two. Oklahoma State won. Ohio they're eighteen State. and two. And Ohio State. I don't know. I think they won, right? Yeah. If they so played, they're I don't know. they haven't lost. They're seventeen and three. So you, you're you are a legitimate over the last twenty games. You are a legitimate top six national program. You just happen to be in a league that has two two teams ahead of you. But Ole Miss has established itself as the third best team in the league over the last twenty games. Is. With depending on what Kentucky does tonight, Kentucky being the only team that's close to you. Are you running a and they're losing right now? Are you running a risk? Is Arkansas running a risk of falling apart emotionally, where even getting KJ back is not going to help? You know, I didn't see their game today, um, so I don't know. You know. I don't know how what they look like. I mean, defensively, obviously, they they, they predictably struggled. They. I think I told you, and it was hard to explain touchdown a and It was kind of hard to explain something about their body language, the way that that A&M game ended, and it was a devastating loss. I think they're in a totally different spot today if, if they beat Texas A&M. The way that game ended, the, 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 the way it was lost, oh, what a brilliant play to slip out. Um, I, think, I think it maybe did them in. I mean – they're in trouble, uh, obviously, but you know they they get him back at some point. I'm I'm, I'm assuming, and, and they still they still have a pretty dynamic rushing attack. They they're going to beat somebody and 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 spoil somebody's season, I, I think, because they're just that good offensively. But but defensively, they're 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 a train wreck. Because they're three and three now, right? Yeah, three and three. That A and M game. I mean, you know, you change it for them and. Well, four and two sounds a lot different than three and three, and who knows? They probably are a completely different team. They got off to such a bad start against Bama, and who knows? I mean, look, it's this league. It's it's a weird league. It's it's weirder this year than it's been in a long time. One game can kind of get you. I mean, you, you see that. I didn't see the answer. So, and you were busy. You were trying to get to a stadium and do whatever you were doing before the game. Do we know, was Venables yelling? Were they distraught? Why did it take Oklahoma an hour to get to the press conference today? Yeah, I, all I know is that it took an hour. I don't know why. I mean, I'm guessing that he either was yelling at his team or they were having that therapy session for an hour. To the point that, that Texas me, went ahead and went. Yeah, like, hey, we gotta, <laughs> we've got buses to catch. Um. What was the final? Forty-nine to nothing. That is correct. I think that game doesn't happen like that. That's that's 
if you're Oklahoma, that's a scary thing. I mean, I get your quarterback was out, but ugh. yeah, but like, come on. Other other teams played without their quarterbacks today and lost, but they didn't lose like that. I guess in a way, I'm, I'm reading from the stream. Tim goes, I want Bama to lose because it helps Ole Miss. I don't know. Does it? I mean, if you're trying to win the West, yeah, sure just beat does. Bama. Sure. No, it does. If you, if, look, you're going to have to beat Alabama, but you want them to get a loss. If they were to get a loss and lose again next week, well, that would be two losses. I guess that's the point, is you would need them to have two for it to matter. Outside but at the end of the day, but your point is a good one. At the end of the day, if you want to get there, you've got to go through them. So go through them. Yeah, do the it's thing where if you beat Ole, them, Chase, you can it's what's lose left the game. For Ole Miss. It's what's left for Ole Miss, though. What's left for Ole Miss is this. The schedule maker was good to you. Um, it's never going to be perfect. But what's left is to to get to the SEC championship game, to go, to go play for a championship. To, and to do that, you know who you have to beat. So beat them. And they come to your place. You get an open date before it. So do it. I mean, I mean it's not that simple, but it is that simple. Mm-hmm. They're coming to your place. The last time they the Bowl meant something was 2015 because that was the day that um, the – two media members for the Bulldogs had their instant analysis thing where they were very frustrated and said they were never going to cover a sugar bowl and were quite upset about Pres- it. Prescott's last game. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. They almost played really well that night. Yeah. But, I mean, it's right there in front of you. So you – oh, he picked it. It's starting to get a little interesting. Oh, it's interesting now officially. Look, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, I know, because Arkansas is three and three. But I'm telling you, if they don't convert, if Alabama doesn't convert that third and fifteen last week, that might have gotten weird last week. And that's not a statement about Arkansas. Before anybody does that to me, it's a statement about Alabama. I'm telling you, they're vulnerable. Go back and look at that game last week in Fayetteville, and it's twenty-eight to twenty-three. It's third and fifteen, and that place is starting to think, "Ooh, is this going to be our day?" And to his credit, uh, the quarterback made a 77-yard run and was like, nope, it's not going to be your day. But I'm telling you, if like he runs for seven yards there and they have to punt, Chase, that game was going to get weird. They're vulnerable. I think I agree here. One more series, and I mean, I, I, I mean, Saban's smarter than all of us, don't get me wrong, but either they're stubborn, they have to change, or – People are completely wrong about how good Ty Simpson is because if he's good, he's got to play right now. This is I'm not with working. You. I'm with you. This feels like that kind of that moment. Remember when Georgia, I think, I can't remember where the game was. Maybe it was in Fayetteville. They were losing, I think it was, they were losing to Arkansas playing the, the kid who never played again. And they're like, nope, this isn't working. And they put Bennett in, and he ended up blowing Arkansas out. But I think it was Fayetteville. Maybe it was JT Daniels. That, no, um, I, I can't. It was a kid. They started. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, doesn't matter. No. Oh, oh, what a terrible throw! God, what a bad throw! 
Carolina beating Kentucky 14-7 to with eight minutes left in the third quarter. So did Levis get hurt in Oxford and we just missed it? Uh, yeah, apparently so. Yeah. A foot injury? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was hurt all week. So, yeah, I guess. I didn't hear anything huh. about it before Ole Miss. And he has no, not never I mean, he didn't do anything all week. Huh. I don't know what play. If it was maybe on one of those last couple where, you know what I mean? That's. Yeah, maybe so. I just never saw him get hurt. Or mm-hmm. but if it, I didn't notice it. Because he didn't even try. He didn't, he, he didn't do warm-ups or anything today. So, I don't know how long he's out. I don't know what that looks like. Got nothing. No idea. But no, it's right there. I mean, Alabama, there's several games they have not won if this is their quarterback situation. Oh, I mean, Milrose really limited. Uh, I mean, Ginger says that uh, Kentucky Sports Radio said he heard it in the first quarter against Ole Miss. Really? Yeah. Huh. Would have never guessed it. Although he wasn't, he looking back on it, I, I remember people going, "My God, he's like a statue." And I thought, you know, he's never been a statue before. He's always been able to move a little bit. That is a good point that you guys are making, and I'm I'm kind of relenting and agreeing because I wasn't thinking about it very clearly. If A and M found a way to win this game tonight, you could be really big Tennessee fans because if Tennessee found a way to pull it off, yeah, you could. You could only have to win games you're favored in and beat LSU to go to Atlanta. That's it. Oh, I think Ole Miss will be and I think Ole Miss will be favored at LSU. Well, just the ESPN FPI right now has Ole Miss favored in every game except for in Baton Rouge and against Alabama. Oh. I was just oh. going off the computer. So what do you think the line is Saturday for Auburn? Jeffrey and I were talking about that. Uh, I think it's opening somewhere between 12 and a half and 14. Yeah, I had 12 and a half going into the day, and I think it's a little higher than that. I'll, I'll say 13 and a half. That's my guess. But honest to God, I think I'd lay the points right now. Mm-hmm. They can't score. No, they're horrific offensively. They're terrible. And Ole, and Ole Miss is pretty good on defense. I mean, and they make adjustments. That's that's a couple weeks in a row they've done a really good job at points where they were getting gashed to move guys around. They need Troy to be okay because I thought I – mean, I, I, we, we knew DeAndre and A.J. played well today, but I thought Troy really moved around in the, in the middle of the field well today. I'm going to tell you what. I don't know I, – I do a show with him, and he I talk, try to get him to talk about it, and he kind of does. Davis and Ibanosin cuts the field in half. Mm-hmm. On the list of five most valuable players on that team, he's on it. Oh, you think so? He cuts the field in half. His guy never gets open. That's true. You don't have you a have lot to, of tackles if they don't target your guy. You have to scheme them. Yeah, well, and he has like one – pass breakup in fact he insists that he has one and the stat sheet doesn't show it they never throw at his guy mm-hmm. Vanderbilt did a couple of times today with very little success South Carolina first and goal now up 14-7 I'm gonna miss that one too I think I had a bad week I haven't paid attention 
Well, TCU helped me and you, I think, because they ended up covering against Kansas. Yeah, I had that one. I had UCLA. They covered. Okay. So I missed that one. I didn't. Uh, even, I forgot we even picked that game. So Bama's going to have a three-point lead at the half. Do they? Okay. Yeah, Reichard made a 50-yarder. He's good. Yeah, he's good. So, uh, crowd size percentage, 50-50? I would have guessed like 60, maybe even 65% Ole Miss. I don't know what they amount. That place, there was there were plenty of seats available. They just – it's hard to – supposedly they're doing renovation on that place after the season. It needs it. It it really needs it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's kind of sad. That's sort of a sad place to go to a game. That's actually a really good word for it because there's just no real hope relative to the rest of the league. No, even I mean, if their relative nature of it, you know, and they can't really use the portal even if they wanted to. Um, they just they just kind of have a mess. I just I, I, there's no path for them really. Mm-hmm to like win. I mean, their path is maybe you try to figure out a way to become a six or seven win a year program, but I don't even know how the hell you do that. You really need Missouri and South Carolina to suck. I mean, to to really suck. And now you're going to add Texas and Oklahoma. And I mean, at least those places care. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of sad. I mean, I told you I was standing outside of there. I was waiting for Chris and you know, some of their kids were coming out and girlfriends and parents and stuff were waiting I don't know. You can just tell they're used to this. It's mm. kind of sad. That's all. You know, they're nice kids. They played hard. They tried. And they're getting their food and they're getting on their scooters and leaving. You know, nah, it's kind of whatever. Got brunch in the morning. Got to check in in the morning. Got to get ready. I think they go to Georgia next week where they'll get smoked. I mean, they know it. I don't. I don't know how do you, how do you make that how do you make that entertaining? How do you make that fun? If you will, I I don't know. Beats me. Yeah. Quite the difference, you know, from compared to like Ole Miss where, I mean, they're going to show up for work tomorrow and for the, you know, film and lift and stuff. And they're playing for big things. Yeah. I think so. There's a real path to things. Everything's in front of them. Sure. Frankly, for a lot of, I mean, most SEC schools have something. Yeah. And Bandy doesn't. So, all right. Safe trip tomorrow. We'll talk to you again on Monday. All right, Chase. See you. Was Neil McCready there with us from Nashville? We'll obviously be back with him again. I'm going to talk to Brian for his show tomorrow, and then on Monday we'll have a normal week. Leave the lineup for a minute. Um, we've been going two eleven, so it won't go any long. But anybody's got a call to kind of close us out, feel free. 662-259-7556. We're going to have halftime in. A&M in Alabama, and again, South Carolina was driving. I didn't see how that ended, but South Carolina up on Kentucky right now in Lexington for uh, that one. Again, that backup quarterback for Kentucky, this makes it, makes it a very winnable game for the Gamecocks at the moment. So that's, uh, that's pretty doable. Good bit of content up. Again, Neil said he already had a column uh, about just kind of where Ole Miss is, some analysis, notebook, and then I've got observations as well. We'll have Lane whenever it goes into uh, 
the FTP to pull it out. So a good bit of content up at rebelgrove.com as uh, as well. It's the next step, Doris. He says, I'm curious how Ole Miss can play as the hunted, the team everyone gets up for, a team that realistically has the talent to beat, beat, to beat us. Yeah, I mean, it's but it's already kind of happening. I mean, you know, Kentucky had it circled. Tennessee had it circled last year. A&M had it circled last year. You're seeing it. Ole Miss is just winning games right now against a lot of teams that have equal or maybe better talent. Baton Rouge will be a test. I mean, Ole Miss is better than LSU, but that's going to be a test in, in two weeks. I just think you might have a fragile Auburn team in here, and it's a team that can't score. I mean, if Ole Miss loses to Auburn, it's on Ole Miss. It's not. It's nothing that Auburn was able to just necessarily do. Ole Miss is better. But there's a lot of season to go. 6-0, and oh, though. I mean, this is – yeah, it'll be raining in Fayetteville, cold. That, that feels miserable all the way around, doesn't it? It really does. It's kind of what you're used to. It's very it's very rarely like a garden spot great weather for Ole Miss and Arkansas up there. The Little Rock weather has been okay a couple times. Which if I'm Arkansas, I don't know why I ever played Ole Miss in Little Rock. I would always play Ole Miss in Fayetteville. Again, Ole Miss and Auburn 11 o'clock from Vaughn Hemingway next week for that one. And yeah, unless something that I missed – there was no chance to – I mean, I guess you could move up in the polls, but nobody's moving up in the polls because of a loss, barring Alabama. Everybody else had had won. South Carolina got a field goal. They're up 17-7 on Kentucky right now. Yes, Ole Miss does not typically play well in Fayetteville. It is not a good spot. Versus Baton Rouge, where Ole Miss plays well most of the time, for whatever reason. State's the one that plays terrible in Baton Rouge most of the time. I don't hate Carolina's uniforms. I know white on white's pretty good most of the time anyway, but they're not crazy busy. They're okay. I think I'd like the white helmet better, but they're all right. Yeah, they're just they're pressuring the heck out of that Kentucky quarterback, the freshman. So Okay. Uh give it one more minute. Anybody want my class call? Six six two two five nine seven five five six, the number here. Yeah, again, Ole Miss never beats Auburn, but again, Lane has just changed the narrative on a lot of that. There's a lot of stuff Ole Miss didn't do that they're doing right now. I mean, in beating Auburn's the next step. You look at the last two years, in the COVID year, Ole Miss should have won the game. The referees bailed Auburn out of that football game. Ole Miss did enough to win. And then last year, Matt had, had his issues and got hurt. Kentucky having blue and white its colors and this being the chrome helmet is awful. I mean, they deserve to lose because of the uniform they have on right now. It's it's an, it's a complete abomination all the way around. It's just terrible. I know Neil said he likes checkerboards. I don't really like those either, but the chrome is horrific. So, All right. Uh, again, Ole Miss 52, Vanderbilt 28 from Nashville today. Thanks to Jeffrey, Neil, and Brian for their time, and you guys who called as well. We'll be back here next week. Go to the game for a little while and then hang out with you guys. Ole Miss and Auburn, 11 o'clock from Vaught Hemingway Stadium next Saturday. Ole Miss 6-0, and trying to get to 7-0. and Should be a – I know it's 11 o'clock. Should be a good environment. I know a ton of people in town are coming into town. 
hotel price and stuff is just insane. And I've heard a lot of stuff for weeks about the uh, the price because of the availability issues of getting things in Oxford next week. So it'll be a zoo in Lafayette County, and we'll have coverage of uh, of that. So to uh, give you guys all the content we can leading up to that. Sorry, I had a little bit of a misstep there. But thanks to everybody who joined us, everybody in the stream, and we'll be back with you on Monday for our normal week of MPW Digital and RebelGrove.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.